This week on Invasion of the Podcast, we enter year two of our year of Carpenter by looking at 1993's Body Bags. After the failure of Memoirs of a Visible Man, can Carpenter get his mojo back with three twisted tales? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. It's the invasion of the podcast. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Okay. Show me. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Another year of Carpenter. Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. And welcome to Evasion of the Podcast, uh, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time, and going into our second The Year of Carpenter. Um, my name is Paul Somewhere out there uh, is, is um, I don't know, it's Steve. I was going to say something clever, but it's too early in the day, uh, Steve. But there you are. Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. And uh, normally I'd try and come up with something clever. Instead, why don't we just throw it to our guests? We got folks in the house today. We do. Uh, we do. And we are joined here on our year of Carpenter, uh, another year of Carpenter, with uh, Samuel Newman and Nathaniel Johnson of At the Devil's Ball. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, always a blast. Yeah, I mean, it's been, what, a year since we've had you on previously, right? So, Oh, good Lord, Paul. <laughs> that's, that's the game you're, that's the game you're going to come out swinging I'm, with? Okay. I'm, I'm, it's, the, it's the only game I have, and it's not a very good one, uh, and most All of the right. pieces are missing, so I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're getting in some uh, body bags, and I have some information before we get into all of that. Before we do all that stuff, uh, I just want to ask our guests here. I know, Nathaniel, you had called your shot last year um, whenever we announced the year Carpenter that you want to come on for In the Mouth of Madness, which that would be the next movie we'd be covering. And You're more welcome on for that. We can figure that out. So I just want to ask you, like, what is your um, your connection with Carpenter and because it sounds like uh, of the four of us, we all kind of have our favorites of his work, but that seems like one that you were drawn to. So, um, yeah, what's your connection with Carpenter? Oh, well, I mean, uh, I love uh, In the Mouth of Madness, and we're actually going to be covering it in a couple weeks on At the Devil's Ball, actually, which is going to be fun. Um, but no, I, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah, uh, my relation, my uh, experience with Carpenter, I think, was just. Uh, when I was, you know, younger, I used to watch, um, you know, on, he had a lot of stuff that was on like, uh, late night cable and, um, like big, uh, big trouble, in little China, uh, the thing, uh, stuff that, that didn't do well at the box office. So it was just sort of lumped into cable. Um, and so like, it was just a cheap time filler for most networks. So you could just watch it back in the day when people used to watch TV. Um, but no, I, I, I love his work. I mean, uh, I, I've always been, I've always felt he's a really just a fascinating filmmaker. Uh, he, he, he's just, uh, he, he, I was thinking about this last night, which was something when I was thinking about body bags, um, uh, in general, which is the idea that he, uh, he never approaches 
uh, a project the same way twice. Like he's always making a very different movie almost every time he shows up. Um, and that's just, it's, uh, he's just a, a hell of a filmmaker. Gotcha. And so are you covering it on your guys' show because you got tired of waiting for Steve and I to pull the trigger? Is that it? You're like, well, fine. <laughs> no. I don't, I no, don't we need, just, I'll we have just my own. Inadvertently, we just inadvertently ended up doing Sam Neill movies. Yeah, so like it, we were, right. it wasn't a plan. We were just like, oh, we're going to do Event Horizon. And I went, and then Possession happened to hit uh, Shutter, And I was like, you want to do Possession? And we were like, yes. And then it was like, okay, well, just do two more Sam Neill movies. So uh, because we do horror films, that's, uh, you know, in the, uh, uh, in the mouth of madness was just there. What's the, but, what's the fourth one you guys are picking to do? Uh, we just did, we actually just recorded, uh, the omen three. Okay. I was going to say, I was actually going to ask, cause yeah. like, are you guys not doing the omen? It seems like an odd omission. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we did it, but uh, I don't know if we did it well. I mean, like, but we, <laughs> we did it. I was going to, I thought maybe I was going to recommend Daybreakers, um, but you know, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the other one that was sort of one I was thinking about was uh dead calm, which he did with, um, it was Nicole Kidman's first mm. movie and, yeah. uh, Billy Zane. And, uh, but yeah, that the, those four ended up being what we, uh, we landed on. Wait, wasn't, wasn't Nicole Kidman's first film BMX bad bandits is, or is that the same type of, that's the same movie, right? And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, if memory serves, I mean, I might be wrong, but I think, uh, I think Dead Gone Con and BMX the, Bagnet, uh, bandits are the same film. I might be getting them. Confused. I'm kidding. Oh, uh, no, oh but, okay. no. Um, so anyway, so say, well, like, I know, like same question to you, not, not about BMX bandits. That's a different discussion, uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I grew up watching Carpenter. Um, started off with Halloween, obviously, um, you know, Halloween time was the time that I got to rent, you know, whatever I wanted to from the video store and would go through all the horror movies there. And, you know, among the best were always, you know, Carpenter's stuff. So, you know, it's just always been a fan of his work. It's it's like he's been so, like, consistent and, and persistent in, like, our movie watching growing up. It's almost like you, like, you know, it, it's... You, I don't want to describe it. It's like you can't take them out of the, out of your childhood and, yeah. and just have the same formula. I mean, it's just, it, it's just been a consistent thing where it's like, Oh, it, it, you always look backwards. Like, Oh yeah. Carpenter's always been there making cool stuff. Right. So, right. Um, so then I'm also gonna put this to you guys too. Cause I know you do cover a number of different uh, things on your show, but this is, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of a little bit later. It's an anthology film. So like, um, what's, what's your, um, like, I, I, I like anthology a lot. I mean, I know I do a whole show that's anthology based, right. but um, I like what, uh, what you, for you guys, like what's your appreciation or, or how do you, how do you feel I'm, about the anthology films? I'm a big fan of anthology films, you know, um, because just the creativity involved with it. I mean, to, to do a movie where you you get, you know, three or four little mini movies in it takes a lot of work and a lot of skill uh, to do it right. And there's obviously a lot of people who don't do it right and people who do. But um, I've, I've always been a fan. Uh, you know, if you don't like the segment you're in, wait a couple minutes and it'll be over. And you'll have another segment that you'll put, probably dig more. And the thing- yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of them. Uh, and part of the reason why I think I'm a fan of them and, uh, and you know, why, why I'm a kind of a fan of body bags is that uh, – you know, even when you have something that is kind of like a mediocre movie, um, they're fun. Uh, they're always fun. And um, and part of the reason why they are fun is because not everything works more often than not. And that's the that's the fun part of 
of I think podcasting in general is when we uh, we always have the best time I think talking about you know movies that are middle of the road right. uh, rather than talking about like you know we've had trouble in the past where we're like well this movie's really great and then we just sort of sit there and say yes it is very great um <laughs> we have nothing else to say um uh but yeah I mean I think uh, anthology movies always give you something to talk about so I think that that's uh, uh I've always been a fan of them. Yeah, and and Steve, I know you and I like was it a couple of years ago. We did a whole entire October of anthology films. I'm sure we talked at length then, but uh, like re- refresh me because you know it's not like we don't talk every week about stuff for years, right? But you, your appreciation <laughs> for anthology th- things and, and stuffs. Yeah, I hate them. No, um, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> so, says the no. person that has an anthology comic book out there. He's like, you know what? None of these were good no. enough to be full length. We just slapped them together with some tape, and we're selling it to people. <laughs> no, I I really love anthology. And actually, as you guys were talking about it, uh, it's interesting. You know, I don't know that I can think of too many like examples of of films where. And not even just films, but other you know media where an anthology isn't horror. Like, and that may just be me not looking at in the right places, but um, it is sort of built for horror. I think. I think that it lends itself well uh, to not only the format, but also that you know, particularly if you have like a a crypt keeper figure, or in this case, a John Carpenter uh, coroner figure. Uh, coming in between the stories and, and doing, you know, a shtick. Uh, I, I like that quite a bit. And I'm kind of a sucker for that. I mean, I, I, I've i talked about before, you know, growing up uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, uh, Tales from the Crypt was, you know, uh, my entrance to finding out about, oh, there was, if you like the show, there's a comic book series that existed in the 50s. And you're like, Oh my God. And then you find out like the history of what happened with DC comics. Um, and it, it just sort of like spirals and spirals and spirals. But like, you know, if you think about it, like we, and I say we, knowing that I'm somewhere between anywhere from like, I think six to 10 years older than each of you. Um, the, the content that we grew up with was sort of geared towards it. Like, you know, there was a anthology show hosted by Freddie Krueger. There was the Friday the 13th series. There was Tales from the Crypt. There was, um, oh my God, I'm blanking out, Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, so it was like really out there uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And this would have been another, you know, entrant. had this not been just a movie, had this actually been what it was originally planned to be, this would have been another series. And, uh, you know, I think... Perhaps maybe because I grew up with stuff like this, I have more of an affinity for it. And I, you know, we've also talked about the fact that I'm a sucker for for horror hosts. I, I love the idea of sitting down and, you know, watching a movie with a horror host, feeling like you're watching it with friends uh, when you don't have any. <laughs> no, uh, but no, I, I I like that idea. I I love the idea of the hosted segments, and I I do like the idea of like. You don't like this one? Wait 20 minutes. You're going to get something else. You know, I I will say real quick, though, before we dive in here, we should put a little caveat on this because, yes, it's the year of Carpenter, but this is Carpenter with a side of Toby Hooper. And yeah. I hope that doesn't get lost. No, no, no. We're going to talk about that a little bit, too, because that's important. Um, yeah. Because uh, okay. because um, I'll um, I'll say this like the, the anthology I talk like obviously I talk a lot about it on on uh, Strange Highways the Twilight Zone show um, and it's just I think there is a certain there is a certain kind of um, 
magic to a well done short story because you, you get in, you get out, you don't have a chance to overthink it. You don't have a chance to have like the premise, maybe overstay it's welcome where it's like this, this is kind of silly now versus like, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know, something like the ABCs of death was a little too much of that. Cause you're like, Oh, well that was two minutes. Okay. What was that? What did I just see? What's the next thing? So I think maybe you could have too much of that where it's more, um, the quantity versus quality. Um, but yeah, I do like the idea that you can just kind of, you know, it's, it's a little buffet, right? You get a little, a little samplings of everything. And then like these three stories in this movie we're going to talk about are definitely three different types of horror. And I think that's great. Like if, if, if I would have gotten the same, um, same three things over and over again, I don't know how much more, how much fun this would have been. Um, but with that being said though, I have never seen this film before. That might be surprising to some people. Well, actually, that I, that leads to me wanting yeah. to ask a quick question because I know that uh, both Samuel and Nathaniel are like hardcore. Like they they they're the guys who I listen to, and I'm like, oh yeah, these guys really know their stuff. Like they they make me feel like a, a plebeian. Uh, so I'm just gonna say, what is your guys's, or I'm gonna ask, I should say, uh, how long have you guys known about this movie? Because I didn't know about it until Shout Factory released it on Blu-ray, like I don't know, somewhere in the last ten years. Um, I think I saw an ad for it in a comic book or a video game magazine around the time it came out, but you know, then I forgot about it, and then remembered about it when Shout Factory, you know was about to release it um no i've never seen it though until till now so i'm oh, really i didn't well. yeah i didn't know that i thought you would have saw, saw this a while ago um yeah i no. saw this on uh i think i saw this on uh, caught part of uh the hair segment on cable once uh years uh, not too long after it first aired i think um because obviously we'll talk about how this was actually like a failed pilot and it kind of got dumped onto TV. Um, but I saw a part of it. And then a couple of years later, I think I, I did end up catching it on, I think it, maybe YouTube. But the last time I, the first time I really watched it in the sense that, you know, I was an adult uh, was um, right after Toby Hooper died. I, uh, I found it on, YouTube at the time, and I watched it along with um, uh, spontaneous combustion. Um, oh, the Brad Dourif movie, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've yeah. seen that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that's actually that was the first time watch at the time when I watched it. But yeah, yeah uh, but so yeah, I saw it then, and that was right after Brad, which was what like five years ago. Uh, so that was when I first really watched it and of course when I could appreciate it, when I knew more about horror, cause that's the, the best part of this movie is that, you know, every single person is somebody like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme of point at the screen. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, um, so yeah, I knew about it for a while. Um, I, I'm glad shout factory or screen factory, uh, released it and it got a little bit more attention, but I, um, it actually surprised me. I thought it was more widespread than I guess it is. It's interesting. Yeah, Steve. So, like, when was you like you said you had you know didn't hear about this until a few years ago? Like, when did you first watch it? Gosh, I feel like I feel like there was a sale on um, on Shout Factory slash Scream Factory's website, and I was going through you know titles and stuff like that, and I'm like, 
what is John Carpenter's body bags? So I looked into it and I watched the, I think the trailer was on the site. I was like, oh, well, this is cheap and I've never heard of this. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and blind buy it. And I'm really glad that I did because I really, really fell in love with it. Um, so much so that I'm like, uh, why didn't the, I, I know that it was a, a canceled series that never made it past pilot, but um, I'm kind of surprised that just nothing else has happened with it. Like I was reading an article just recently about uh, I almost said Stephen King. Sorry, John Carpenter's wife. Um, talking about their comic book company. And I'm like, why isn't there a Body Bags Anthology comic? And I'm sure that probably Showtime 30 years on probably still has some sort of piece of it. But I'm like, you just, it's a, you know, your whole shtick is that it's a John Carpenter branded comic book. You know, why isn't there a John Carpenter's Body Bags Anthology comic? So um, I'm kind of surprised that it was just sort of this hidden gem that I'd never heard of. And no one really talks about it. I mean, you know, I've heard other podcasts, you know, m- mentioned in passing, but I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I really, really enjoy this movie, and I'm kind of surprised that it's not talked about more. Um, but going back to your question, it was one of those things where um, it was a complete blind buy, and it just caught me off guard. You know, maybe had somebody told me about it beforehand, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did upon first viewing. Um, but it was it was one of those nice experiences of like just discovering something on your own, which very rarely seems to happen anymore because mm, yeah. you either have everyone telling you something's amazing or everyone telling you something's dog shit. So, um, yeah, I I think it was a blind buy on a Scream Factory sale. If it wasn't, then it might have been a voodoo sale just because. I buy I buy a lot of stuff digitally as well. I love physical media, and we've had that conversation before. But I am a sucker for the four ninety nine Voodoo um, movie, and it is. And, in and my I'm a sucker well, for being so. lazy and just looking through an app versus me digging through my movies. Sometimes, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm sure if I would, I, I, I went looking for this, I found it on Peacock. I'm like, all right, perfect. You know, <laughs> like I'm like, but it was also I have to watch three minutes worth of ads. I'm like, what is going on? But anyway, um, so uh, were any of them yeah. State Farm ads? Because that seems to be all I get on Peacock. Um, no, I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe okay. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, pay attention to the commercials, Paul. You're uh, no. I am. I'm already targeted plenty already with, uh, with Facebook, always thinking that I'm some kind of like hard charging conservative, um, <laughs> that likes guns and Jesus. And just because I happen to listen to a lot of, uh, political, you know, focused commentary. And then I guess the name Ben Shapiro ticks off my phone's like, Oh, do you want, do you want this? I'm like, no, why would you say, like, like, no, I don't need a no, yeah, all of your all of your devices are listening yeah. to everything yeah. you say. It's it's uh, and then you get targeted ads. Yeah, it's really. It's, a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, I literally once had a conversation alone in my apartment with a friend about local politics. Uh, this was back in Portland, Maine, and immediately I started getting uh, uh, political ads in my tubi. It was <laughs> it was like it was for for local politicians that we had talked about. So it was really weird. Yeah, but, they're not even yeah. subtle about it anymore. No, yeah, no. they don't even pretend. It's yeah, like, it's like, do you, want, no, do you yeah. want a hoodie with Punisher, Jesus, and Punisher, and AK forty sevens, and <laughs> you know, in this household, we like our pronouns are guns and ammo or whatever. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so before we get talking about the movie proper and I will get to the trailer, I, I want like, I do have my book here that makes me sound smarter than I am uh, that assault on the system, the nonconformist cinema of John Carpenter written by uh, Troy Hogarth. I want to give a little ba- background before we get into 
uh, body bags and proper. Uh, so, because we last time on our year carpenter, we talked about memoirs of an invisible man, Steve's favorite movie. Um, so, um, before a memoirs made its theatrical debut, um, uh, John was already looking this up. Another movie universal offered uh, his wife, Sandy and him, a, um, a contract to develop, um, a creature from the black lagoon. And he uh, jumped on it and was like, sure, let's just do it. He wanted to take it in a different direction. He ended up getting, um, Rick Baker to do a sculpt of the creature. And so that's still out there. I guess you can go find it. Um, so I guess it looks really, really cool. But because of Carpenter's concept for the movie, uh, it was a little too ambitious for Universal. And then also possibly related to memoirs not doing very well at the box office, they started chipping away at the budget. So Carpenter was like, nope, I'm out. So he left that. We almost got a Carpenter creature from the Black Lagoon update. But nope, they didn't take a chance. Right? That That's a shame. Um, he was also being approached to do uh, an adaptation of Peter Benchley's novel, uh, beast for universal, which if people aren't familiar with that, that was, uh, Benchley kind of going back and revisiting the, his own, uh, inadvertent panic created over jaws. But in this case, it was about a large, uh, octopus that was coming into like this bay and how like he did this kind of like dissection of the media fears, but also it was also still a large, um, monster movie that I think that'd have been great. But then, um, they, well, got, there was know, a, a TV movie. Yeah. Version. yeah. Uh, yeah. but the, but he, um, was like, Nope, this is going to take money. And universal's like, nah, we don't want to spend money. So he's like, ah, I'm not going to do that. And then it became a TV movie. Um, so then he also, there was some talk of him getting to direct tombstone, that didn't happen. My God. I mean, Tombstone's an amazing film, but think about that for a second. So, yeah, this 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 whole thing should have been called about, like, the carpenter that could have been after Memoirs of Invisible Man. So there's a lot of reasons to not like Chevy Chase additionally. So, anyway. So with that, with all that happening there, um, he decided that he could team up with his wife um, on a smaller project to give her um, some chances to actually be a producer, which is what they wanted her. Like, they 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 wanted to produce together. So then, um, that's whenever the, the idea of body bags came to be, um, Billy Brown and Dan Angel brought a script to them that was, you know, written in this format of like with the horror host. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And they, they pitched it to the network to Showtime as a possible series and they, they got on board for it. So they brought it to Showtime and then that kind of got the green light real quick though. I just want to point out that, uh, Billy Brown and Dan Angel, um, they, like the script that like you know, Carpenter liked the script. They would go on to write an episode of the X-Files and then they would be continued to collaborate together on Goosebumps and Spooksville. So, yeah, I mean, at least they're still staying in the horror territory, but it got, it changed a little bit, didn't it? So I thought that was funny. So well, I think um, one of them won an Emmy for that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, why not? I mean, I mean, you yeah. know, make good, make good kids entertainment, right? And you should deserve it. So, yeah. So I'm sorry to interrupt. No, Am I just know what Spooksville is? Is that something that became a big thing? I'm unfamiliar with Spooksville. Was that something? Is that like a kid show? Uh, it's another. Yeah, it was another kids uh, horror anthology. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then also with this smaller project, uh, Sandy was able to put together a lot more uh, a crew that um, Carpenter was comfortable with from previous films. So as opposed to his, he uh, was working at distance with a lot of people in memoirs, Invisible Man. So she was able to pull together a much more comfortable crew for him. Uh, but then she uh, convinced him to be the coroner, right? And uh, she asked him if he'd do it. Uh, he had already appeared in camera a couple of times, but he, you know, he wasn't sure how he'd feel about it. But since he was playing 
a character instead of himself. He agreed. And then here's, I love this quote here. I thought it'd be fun and it wasn't fun. It took hours to get me into that makeup every day. So that's a very Carpenter statement about him being the coroner. He's like, I thought it would be fun. No, no, it wasn't. So, um, and then also he, uh, well, we'll talk about the directing stuff, but he had a friend come on to direct his segments where he's talking as the coroner of the camera. We'll talk more about that guy in a little bit. And then we'll talk about uh, Toby Hooper as well. But yeah, but that's, that's kind of the background going into this. Um, I, I again, this was a movie that I was not familiar with other than just a name only. Uh, and I'm glad that we've gotten to it. So, um, let's play. So let's just listen to the trailer. Um, and we'll talk about body bags. From John Carpenter. Something's coming. Maybe I'll see you around. I see things. I think maybe I can help you. Something strange. Weird. Gruesome. Painful sex. Yes, yes! When can we do it? Something shocking. No ah! brains are the only food on which we can thrive. Ah! What have you done to me? Something terrifying. Ah! I have to finish digging your grave. John Carpenter presents Body Bags. So I'm hoping that the audio got cleaned up for the Blu-ray release because the version I watched on Peacock, all the audio was very hissy. I don't know if that was the same experience for you guys. I know it was a TV production, but that was a little just frustrating. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that or or maybe I just watched the wrong one, the one on Peacock. I didn't notice it. I mean, I'm just used to my own sound of hissing you know, normally <laughs> when you're talking. You're like, I could barely hear the movie over the nachos I was eating. It was just, you know, like. <laughs> Anyway. I watched it on I, I watched it on Tubi and everything was fine. Oh, so okay. yeah, I like that yeah. Tubi's put more more time into getting the correct transfer of the film than NBC uh, <laughs> Universal. Uh, that, happened, right. that happened with me. Uh, I tried to watch um, the Prophecy on Peacock and the aspect ratio was all screwed up, and I had to I had to go find it on Tubi. It was better, <laughs> which is which is absurd. But yeah, that's that's funny. So yeah, uh, yeah go ahead, please. No, my apologies. I, I just interrupted you to say something completely dumb. But the Prophecies movie I saw in the theater and kind of forgot about. And then one day I remember being uh, I Blockbuster or wherever, and there were like four more of them. I'm like, wait, when did this happen? When when did all these right. Prophecies? And I still have never seen any past the first one. So I don't know like, if the other ones your... were good or not. But I'm just like, when did this happen? Were you I, walking by with your stack, of, uh, your stack of Warlock films? You're like, wait a second. <laughs> They, uh, they are not good. And, um, but yeah, they, but they sure do exist. <laughs> it's a movie, right? That's, that's the review. Uh, so, so yeah, body bags, 1993, uh, directed by John Carpenter. He did two segments. Uh, Toby Hooper did the third segment. We'll talk about a little bit here. And then Larry Sulkis, that's the gentleman I was mentioning. He was uncredited. He directed the coroner. See, well, the sequences in which Carpenter was in front of the camera being the, the coroner. And so, um, he actually would go on to work, uh, with, um, cause he, uh, he was, uh, he worked with Carpenter on, um, they live by doing the TV commercials in the movie. And then he would do some script revisions on village of the damned and then get a co-writing credit on ghost of Mars. So say what you want about all that. This is his first time. Well, he brought back Sulkis from they live. So there's that. 
Uh, we have three segments. We have the gas station, hair, and I. Um, this is a treasure trove of who's who. Like um, Nathaniel was mentioning here, that this is like you throw a dart, you're going to find somebody. So, um, do you think it'd be best if we talk about each segment and talk about who's in the segment and then move on to the next one as opposed to forgetting people? Because I think there's so many people in here. I don't want to. There was a lot of fun people, and I didn't realize this was so stacked to the gills with um, with horror related people. Oh yeah, yeah, Everybody. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So um, I also want to mention the beginning of this too. Whenever we have the the, the fake MGM logo of Carpenter trying to turn on a um, a chainsaw and just being like, nah, that's I knew at that point I was going to love this movie. <laughs> Something about that, it was like. All right, here we go. I'm like, not only is that, it's like you're, you're pulling a strange brew gag there. I like it. I, I respect that. Um, so, so yeah, we have uh, the gas station. We have Robert Carradine in that as well. Uh, he plays Bill, Alex uh, Datcher, and Peter Jason making another uh, um, uh, appearance for Carpenter. Uh, we have uh, Wes Craven um, be playing a creeper. Uh, Sam Raimi um, not doing much of anything. Uh, David Naughton and uh, George Buckflower showing up again. Uh, yeah. And um, that's, that's the people want to mention here. So Steve, I feel like this one's more in your wheelhouse. What, what's, what's the, the overall, what's the story of the gas station? Uh, so the story of the gas station is, is a young girl, uh, college student, I guess is uh, what she is. Um, Cause I'm not familiar with that actress actually. Um, for a minute, I thought she was from ER, but turns out she wasn't. Um, but uh, uh, she's getting dropped off at a gas station, um, and you, we find out that she's going to be working the overnight shift there. She shows up uh, and meets Robert Carradine's character, who's behind the gas station uh, glass, I guess, if you will, um, because it's an island. Uh, I, and I think that that's kind of important to set up real quick as we talk about the movie, is, is that there's like a garage portion that's separate. And then an island where the gas stations are, and she's in just essentially like a tiny booth uh, where uh, Robert Carradine, when she approaches, is kind of locked in there. And she's like, hey, I'm you know here to cover the night shift. He's like, oh, great. And he lets her in, shows her around. And um, just previous to that, uh, we find out that there had been a body that had been found in a, a, a town I've never heard of called Haddonfield um, that they uh, talk about briefly. Uh, but uh, we get the idea that there's a killer on the loose somewhere. Uh, and as she's preparing for a night shift, Robert Carradine's character kind of goes over, uh, you know, hey, here is, you know, where the keys are. And this door will lock. If you don't have the keys, you can't get back in. And uh, he's like, well, you know, I feel bad leaving you here tonight because, you know, it's there's crazy people out there. And uh, she's like, oh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So he leaves. And then her shift starts, and that's when uh, we start to see a cast of characters coming to the gas station and her interactions with them. Um, sort of like Clerks before Clerks, actually, a little bit. Um, but uh, through the night, um, things start to get weirder and weirder, and uh, she ends up finding herself uh, being pursued by a killer. And I don't want to reveal who that is right away, but um, that's, that's basically the meat and potatoes of the first segment. Yeah, it's it's basically it's a slasher, right? And it's like I, it's um, when when Nathaniel mentioned that Carpenter never approaches a movie the same way twice. It's almost like he's like, yeah, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna take uh, why I had fun with Halloween and just kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna crystallize that down and condense it and have a little bit of fun. You know, and I think, um, you know, this, this would, this is something you could do any sleep. Not that I'm saying it is, 
like, but you know, I'm sure it probably, it probably did his heart good to be like, Oh, let's get, let's get a little bit back to like, you know, street level, like violence of like, you know, you, you're working the overnight at a gas station, you're by yourself. That that's like, it's, that's his wheelhouse. Right. So I think that's, um, I, I think this is a good segment to start off with. Yeah. And I, uh, I'll just say that, you know, it is my favorite of the three. Um, even though, uh, once we get to the third one, we'll have a lot to talk about its star, but, uh, uh, <laughs> at least my affinity Steve, for it, Steve. <laughs> but, uh, this, this one is my favorite. And I think what this is, is this is, and, and I don't want to say like, Oh, it's Halloween, but Carpenter gets to have fun, but it kind of is, he gets to be a little more ghoulish and cause you know, it's, it's, it is meat and potatoes. Like because it's an anthology and it's only 20 minutes, like you got to cut to the chase, you know, you're not going to have, you know, a 10 minute segment of Lori going from school to home to being picked up by Annie. And like, you gotta go, you gotta go. And, uh, I think the other thing that makes it work so well is, is that the cameos. And I, I know that it's, you shouldn't be the guy. I shouldn't be the guy who's like, Oh, I get, I get excited <laughs> when people I know show up. But like every time West Carpenter shows up, West Carpenter, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I just did that. Thank you, Scream, for putting that in my head. Oh, uh, I love when, John Craven. Continue, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when when Craven shows up, like I can't help but smile, and I I love I love how like just kind of creepy he is. Yeah. But like he can also just be innocently like, oh, there's something wrong with that guy. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I really love his 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 appearance in this. Uh, David Naughton when he shows up. Uh, you know, obviously we all we all know him from uh, American Werewolf, and uh, even the photo of Sam Raimi on the desk is is a nice little touch. Like it's, I I don't want to call it tongue in cheek because I don't know that it's supposed to be, but it's it's very much a, uh, you know, applause moment every time somebody pops up on screen for me. Forgive least. me, uh, I thought it was Ted Raimi because I never expect to see uh, Sam Raimi in front of the camera. Right. And I was just like, oh, it's Ted Raimi. And it's like, I realized that, that, you know, the Raimi I'm seeing, his head isn't as like elongated as Ted Raimi. He, Ted Raimi has a little bit more of like a forehead going on. And I, I honestly thought that was Ted Raimi. I'm glad at least I got, I was in the right family. <laughs> I was yeah. watching it, you know? So, um, so let me, I'm going to put it to, to uh, you two guys from at the devil's ball. You have worked, um, various third, third shifts, uh, professions, right? Um, yes. How does that go from like working nighttime and you're like, where it's, it's quiet out, but you know, you might be by yourself, but you know, you're like, I don't know about all these people. I'm sure there's something there that's very familiar to you. I gotta be right back. (laughs) Okay. Oh yeah, totally. No, uh, working overnights in hotels, uh, for better part of 20 years. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've encountered almost every single type of person, uh, other than a serial killer that, uh, that I know of anyway. Um, that this movie has in it. Um, but yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of crazy, crazy people out there and then they go and they do come out at night. So, well, and Steve, if I recall right, you, you did work at, um, a service station at one point, right? Yeah. I worked at a gas station for about three years and I did third shift oddly enough at a hotel for three years. So, um, I, I wasn't specifically at the gas station third shift. I would have to fill in from time to time. At one point, I took on the position of assistant manager. Um, and honestly, like there are certain points in your life where humble you're brag. like, Jesus I Christ. Kind of, I'm I said humble brag. Continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No, there are specific <laughs> points in your life that, you know, you, they say you can't always point to like where things go wrong. Me accepting the assistant position at uh, that gas station is one of the points where I'm like, 
yeah, that was really uh, where my life sort of took a downturn. And I, I, uh, I, it, took a good, yeah. it took a good while. Like, I dropped out of college because it was like, well, this is my life now. I'm doing this. And, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, you know, and I paid for it. Believe me, I'm still paying back for student loans. And, uh, you know, I had to go back to school part time to finally get my degree. And this was almost 20 years ago now. But, um, yeah, uh, I did do my time in a gas station. Is my, That's my roundabout way of saying that, yeah, I did my time in a gas station. Um, and I, I also got to go into the store uh, as an assistant manager uh, after the place got robbed on the third shift and had to finish the shift. So that was fun. Um, so I, I'm <laughs> oh, not great. strange to these waters, if you will. Right. Uh, gotcha. So, um, so yeah, I just, I, so like, did, did he nail the vibe of just like, why are you here? And why do you keep talking to me? This is a gas station. Sir. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ma'am, this I, is I Harvey. Third Hardy's. shift at yeah. a gas station myself. So I know <laughs> uh, I lived this. Um, yeah, cause especially like, well, what are you reading? It's like, the, why it's like, why do you want to try to start this conversation? You know, like, the, right. the, yeah. So, okay. I, so I, I figured, you know, like that vibe came through of like all of just the weirdos. Like it was almost like these, like not a vignette, but it was just how many weirdos can we have in one gas station at nighttime? Um, but then, yeah, we get the cameos. Uh, Peter Jason's coming in. I like that he had a convertible, right. And with, with mm. whoever he was with well, one, she couldn't understand how to work the pump, which was funny. But then mm. two later on, whenever the, the, his was woman was like, it's cold. I want to get out of here. It's like, your top is down in the car. You're, you're driving a convertible. You're complaining about it being cold. I thought that was funny, but, um, yeah. So we get the whole thing where we get a weirdo, uh, wanting to use the restroom and it's, um, yeah, it's our, it's our friend. Uh, was it, uh, Mr. Um, what's, uh, George Buck flower, uh, yeah. looking, looking like, like just, <laughs> he's not wearing the tuxedo from they live. So I was really upset about that. Uh, I was hoping he would have been a little bit more dressed up, but yeah, he, he plays a really good scuzzy guy. And whenever you find out that he's supposedly sleeping in, in the men's room, like I, I, you know, thankfully I've never had to work a job where there was a restroom customers could use. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I like that by itself seems like that would be a, a terror regardless of the killer being around would be having to go open a restroom stall and, and hope for the best. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not good. Yeah. Go in there and see, you know, that somebody shit all over the floor and smeared it on the walls. You know, <laughs> did they did they oh, draw but, an image of like murder and de- you know, um, decapitation or whatever was going on? Like, when the, like I like that somehow they, that was no, nothing that quaint. You know, <laughs> yeah, quaint. yeah. They usually would draw like you know, it would just be drawing dicks or something. Yeah, right. I mean that's what you'd find in the bathroom more lot more often than not. Not, I mean, I would actually be impressed if I came in and found that. You know, and be like, hey, hey there's a. It's a really, really cool piece of art on this wall now about of a monster decapitating people. But no, it's that it's just penises. <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it really is. It's if you go, you know, work a job, especially uh, you know, overnight. Uh, many of the hotels I worked for, you know, we had to often keep the front door of the hotel locked uh, because people would come in off the street and go like hang out in the bathroom and would like, you know, like, like he says, like, you know, curl up around the toilet. I had to aim over his head to pee into the toilet. Like that happens. I mean, there's, you know, but, but when you go in there, though, there's like stuff. In the there's three stalls in that bathroom. What was Peter Jason doing then? Couldn't he choose the other two or did he like a challenge? 
you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, this, this gas station, um, has a, a lot of, um, a lot of room and it's a little surprising, but you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, this place has a lot of space and it's, uh, it's kind of funny to me, but yeah. Well, did you also like, so whatever gets the, the finding out that there's somebody that is out there, um, killing people. Cause we, you know, we find that out pretty quickly, uh, that this person is near the gas station. Right. Um, like did, did, um, like it, it adds up later, but whenever we have Anne, uh, after she locks herself out of the Island and then has to run over to the repair shop, like the doors are all locked, but then the one garage door opens. She takes that as like, well, that's supposed to like, Oh, thank goodness. I can go find keys. She doesn't question like, Oh, this place was unlocked. You know, wouldn't that be like, I just, I feel like that's a red flag. Cause we find out later that it was unlocked for a reason. Right. right. That, that seemed like, cause it seemed like a plot hole to begin with. And I'm like, after I'm like, Oh yeah, that all makes sense now. But once, once you get to like, who's actually being the person that's responsible for killing the people. And that's when we get the, the Sam Raimi bit of him. You know, what was it? We know we find him later, right. In a locker, um, which I best acting in the whole thing was him just falling out of the locker. Um, can we just talk about uh, Robert Carradine, how he just became like, I think he exudes a little bit of charm, but my God, he suddenly had like this look of malice and you could tell this guy enjoyed every minute of, of doing this. Um, anybody, oh, please yeah, yeah, sure. jump in. Yeah. Steve. Just, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, I, I just, I didn't want to step over anybody. No, I'm sorry. I talked too much. So yeah. yeah um, I quite enjoy uh, Robert Carradine here. Uh, you might also even call this segment Revenge of the Nerd, which I, I think is funny. Um, but uh, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> With him swinging the hammer at the time, making that noise too. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Or when he got clocked in the nose and you thought like his brain, like he got his, went into his brainstem and killed him or whatever, like at the beginning. Right. If he would have made that laugh after, that would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> No, but he's he's really good in, in uh, you know, I think uh, and it is unfortunate because that is the thing that probably people will always think of him for first, you know, um, and that's good and bad, you know, and we'll talk about this later uh, when we get to the third segment as well of playing an iconic character and then trying to step into other roles. Um, I, I guess, you know, um, it's. He's a little creepy when we first meet him, but it's not sort of like a creepy vibe. More is it just a, I don't know. There's something about the way that he answers her. Um, and I don't know if it's him trying to be coy or if he's just, he's like, oh, you know, I'm playing it straight, but how would this guy play it straight? You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's just something a little off about him, but not to the point where you're like, oh, he's the killer. I was like, oh, it, this is a, a it, guy who's probably sniffed too many gas fumes. It was suspicious that he knew how to actually work the gas station. You know, did you, like, like if he's this guy going around killing people, maybe he's just like a drifter gas station worker that we don't know about. <laughs> right. But it's like, he's like, yeah, the, the cigarette prices are outside. Here's how to do this. Here's how to do this. Here's all the keys. It's like, he'd be like, here's your W2. Make sure you fill that out. Like, you know, I got, I'll talk to corporate about your hours. Like whatever he's saying. I'm like, you know, a lot about this gas station operation just for being a dude that killed the employee of the month and stuffed him in a locker. Um, but I do like, I honestly thought the segment was going to end after she clocked him with the chair and he just hit the ground. I was mm -hmm. like, I thought Carpenter was almost going for the joke of like, you guys are expecting something, huh? Nope. One and done. But then, then he pulls it further where he's like, no, it's not one and done. It's going to be like eight and done with this guy. And just how, um, he keeps getting up 
but um, I love that there's that shot later um, when he's outside uh, and he's on the ground and she goes over to the gas pumps and it, it's in soft focus in the background and you see him slowly starting it back, back up again, which is, you know, he did that in Halloween, but it works so well. Uh, I thought that was great. I like that we got to linger on him with the sledgehammer hitting the glass. I thought that was really cool too. Like there's a lot here that, um, you know, Carpenter's able to uh, punch above his weight often. And I thought this was one of those things considering the budget and that he's like, Oh, I know this is being made for cable, but you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to hold back myself. I like, I liked a lot of the, a lot of that imagery. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah it was made for, it was made for showtime. Um, which is not quite cable. So, I mean, he had a little bit of freedom for the, to, to kind of do what he wanted, I think. But, um, although they pulled the plug on it, uh, mid shooting, uh, <clears throat> in terms of not making the show, mm-hmm. um, they were like, yeah, we're just going to release this as a standalone movie. Um, but yeah, he got to, he got to do some aggressive stuff with this one. Um, not as aggressive, I think, as uh, Toby Hooper goes later, but <laughs> yeah. um, but it has uh, it definitely has those moments. I mean, uh, what I, what struck me very much about this particular segment was this actually could be a feature today. Um, I think it would be there would be a lot. It would be like you know an art house slasher. I think now, like it would be like you know there'd be long sequences of her like studying quietly while like people right. are coming in and out um then i think that, and i think it would be if it'd be the type of movie i'd want to make but yeah um but no i love that it has that atmosphere it's it's my favorite of the three as well uh for that reason i think it's just a lot of fun to and uh, is is the strongest entry just in in terms of quality i think in in general but um my favorite thing is that Wes Craven uh, is is kind of bad at it, and what I what I mean by that is, like Wes Craven is like we've talked about this on Not the Devil's Bother. Wes Craven is uh, uh, is probably the smartest horror filmmaker ever. Like, and I mean like legitimately, like you know, this is a former educator. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has a ton of background, and every time I when we would talk about his work i would always say like i think i might be reaching but like nightmare on elm street is you know this uh commentary on like reagan uh, reagan's america and sam would always say no Wes craven knew exactly what he was doing he he thought that out you know um and that's what sam would always say he was like no 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 you're not real oh you're not overreaching west craven absolutely intended it because he's so smart so when he walks up like, kind of disheveled and he's like, pardon me, madam, but uh, I never went to no college. Like it's, it made me laugh. <laughs> like he, he was like supposed to be like, you know, uh, he he's supposed to be this guy who's like, I never had no book learning. But it comes out as like, why? What, what is it you are studying, good lady? Like it's, he's not even able to just not to sound stupid. It's it's uh, but I love that he's all disheveled and, and he, he puts that wide eyed crazy in it and you don't see that very often west west craven i think is only active a few times outside of his own work um and so that was that's a, an awful lot of fun i think to watch him like still not able to just project stupidity he's just that smart that he's like i can't seem to handle handle it but i, I, I like that his big plan was like i have suburban out in the car 
No. Right. <laughs> right. Stare at her, stare at her creepily by his his crappy soft pack of uh, of smokes and and offer her bourbon from his car. So, so Sam, I'm gonna put this to you since this is the first time watch for you as well. Were you yeah. expecting like the the gore to go from like oh that's pretty a lot to oh that's that's um that that's a fountain that's coming out underneath right. that uh that truck. No, that was uh that was a surprise. I thought it was gonna be fairly gore free, um, not like PG thirteen, but relatively bloodless. You know, a couple of effects here and there, but yeah, the the fountain in the truck is just took me back <laughs> I, I thought that was took amazing back, yeah. yeah like i'm i'm, I'm not so it would have surprised me if like Dave, david Notton just slips and falls and dies after you know like he's right like, he's like hey to get my credit card Foomp, you know Zoop. but yep. <laughs> uh no this segment's a lot of fun and that's why yeah. I, I asked uh steve to to lead in because i figured this sounds like you know it, it uh, steve i'm gonna guess that you're like you know like, are you, are you annoyed that you didn't write this? Cause this seems like something that would be like, kind of like an idea you'd like to explore. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a fun idea. Um, and honestly, you know, uh, you guys said that, uh, you know, it, it would be, uh, you know, if it were being made today, you know, this would be like an A24 type style, uh, film. Uh, and you know, there's part of me when I said it's clerks with a serial killer, I kind of mean that, like, I think it would be fun to be like, you know, and I'm not saying use Randall and Dante, but like set it up as a comedy, but then suddenly it turns into, you know, a slasher film. Like, I think that could be a lot of fun. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know if, if it's, you know, just because it's Carpenter and it's, you know, my love of Halloween, that this is why it's my favorite. But I do think that this has the most interesting performances in it um, and the, the one that I have the most fun with. So, um I was going to say, too, uh, real quick, um, uh, on the Craven thing, uh, I even love it when he pops up in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and it's literally, he's got the dumbest line ever, and you can tell that he's just having fun, where he's like, what, people love monkeys, like, I I don't know, I, anytime he pops up in a movie, it always puts a smile on my face, and I, I, I do think that, uh, um, uh, one, I, I think that he's... It's weird to say, like, oh, Wes Craven's underrated, but, like, there's times where I'm like, I, I, we don't hear enough about him, and um, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's just that I, I remember specifically overhearing a conversation uh, at Cinema Wasteland one time where two people were talking about Wes Craven and talking about how overrated he was, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know these people, but I, I really just want to jump into this discussion and tell them why they're wrong. <laughs> Um, right. but, uh, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't found I'm your gonna, sledgehammer and came back. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to drag this out cause I'm just going to start talking about Wes Craven. So we'll move on to the next segment, but yeah, I really do love this, this, uh, this overall, not only for, uh, it's plot, but for, uh, the, the cameos. And, um, uh, I I'll also say I did have to call the cops at the gas station one time to, uh, have somebody removed from the bathroom. So, well, uh, yeah. So, uh, long story short, got drunk. Uh, we were off the highway, left their car on the highway, got drunk, uh, or, or were drunk, left their car on the highway, came in, asked to use our bathroom and passed out in there. So fun times. Oh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, that sounds like, a, that sounds like a fun time. Not really. Uh, I, you know, I, I did enjoy the segment. I want to say that, um, it just, it was nice. Like with, even though this was like, you know, done for cable, 
you know, like it was nice to see almost, it's not the same level of cinematography as like Christine, but whenever, you know, you think back to that gas station sequence there too. And then even, uh, you know, you guys can tell me I'm wrong. I think that when Carpenter did the scoring for this, whenever you had, um, uh, was it the bill swinging the sledgehammer against the glass? I heard some more of the more darker Christine type of like synth, like the beats going on yeah. with that. And I, 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 I thought that was great. I also liked that they, that they lingered on him like breaking that glass. Uh, so yeah, I like the segment a lot. So somehow like, like, um, of course you're, I know you're a fan, but like, was this your favorite of the three or, um, or no? Yeah, I think this was my favorite of the three, okay. uh, the three stories. Um, it just, you know, comes out strong and, you know, comes out swinging. And I appreciate that about it. Um, uh, like you said, the, the sequence where he's breaking into the, to the booth is probably the strongest of, of the, of the segments. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, you know that there's no escape from this guy. You know, it's it's you're in this little booth that's not going to protect you at the end of the day. And I think if you did an updated version of this now, where they have like the big, thick, you know, bulletproof glass and stuff, mm-hmm. how even those those spaces are smaller, right? Um, that would be you know something, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I don't want to think about that. Um, so yeah, a uh, good segment. I, I enjoyed it. Um, good, like a good, st- strong start. You know, you usually want to lead with like a good one to get people involved. Cause if you lead with right. like, you know, the weaker of the all three, you know, whatever. So good segment. Second segment. I want to put this to you, Nathaniel. It is called hair. What, what, what is hair about? And we'll get into who did what. Sure. Uh, actually, before we move on, I did want to mention uh, Alex Thatcher, uh, who played Anne in the gas station, uh, who was, um, her, her kind of big claim to fame. She was in passenger 57. Um, which is one of my favorite, uh, '90s action films. But yeah, she's but she was uh, she was fantastic in it. But uh, the plot of Hair. Um, so it stars Stacy Keach, uh, a relatively uh, legendary uh, actor. Uh, he is uh, terrified of uh, and obsessed with the fact that his hair is thinning, and he is uh, he's dating a. Uh, a beautiful woman, uh, Megan, played by uh, Sheena Easton, who uh, loves him anyway, but he can't deal with the fact that he is losing his hair. So he uh, ends up going to a specialty, like uh, uh, Just for Men hair club uh, thing. Uh, what was the name of that hair club? Oh, Was it Just for Men? That, well, yeah, the, that was yeah. The, the actual one was just for men, but that was a product. But yeah, he actually goes yeah. to uh, I, well, I forget something the name. Roswell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, in real life, uh, hair uh, club for men. Yeah, club yeah. Club yeah, there you club go. Club yeah. Of, yeah, but which was a thing back in '93. Members only. Uh, that would no. <laughs> yeah, but no, you like, literally would see late night commercials for like uh, for uh, men a hair club for men, which was that you sent away and they gave you like seeds or something and you made your hair grow back out, but. Um, he goes there. They get uh, David Warner and Debbie Harry uh, are running the place. Um, and but I love David Warner. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, wonderful actor. But uh, he goes through the procedure. He wakes up. He's got uh, long, beautiful hair. And it turns out the hair is actually tiny aliens that are uh, eating his brain. And it turns out that he is an incubation, an incubator for a group of these alien species that are going to eventually 
uh, infest us all and eat our brains. Yeah. So a feel good story. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, 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 what's funny about that is that it's actually kind of is like, it's actually this, uh, um, really goofy comic relief story. Uh, despite yeah. the fact that it actually is probably the grimmest ending of any of the three, but yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> I like, um, we, like Stacey Keach, like I, I was reading in some of the trivia that he, you know, he had been dealing with hair loss for quite a while and he was actually very like, okay with them exploring that in this portion by showing like his actual hair. Um, but I, I like that the first half of this is him trying different things to do or his own right. vanity. Um, cause like, and it, it shows I me, mean, well, obviously no carpenters, a sense of humor, but like just there, there was that sequence whenever it was, he walks outside and sees like everybody with long hair. And then there's that dog with long hair. This is a dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also what was it? Um, one of the man with beautiful hair, what was it? The man with dog was Greg Nicotero. Yeah. Right. Um, which I didn't recognize, but I love that. I mean, well from in the movie, I mean, but I just, I love that. Um, there was that bit that also whenever he tried combing his hair differently and then when he does like the spray thing, you know, it was just, that was all like credit to Stacy Keach. Like he straight faced it so much and made this just so much fun to watch. Like I wasn't expecting this to be as funny as it was, but I enjoyed him trying to play off that he painted the top of his head and that that was like, that was going to be okay for dinner, you know, like to sit down with his girlfriend. Um, I like that. And then when she went to kiss his head, she got the hair paint all over her face. And then he laughed at her. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, I just, I thought that whole, th- whole, whole thing was just entertaining. Um, Steve, uh, uh, you know, hair loss, talk about it. I don't know what that means. Say, I will just say that I feel very lucky to still have my hair. <laughs> um, I am, I am careening towards 50, um, and my hairline has moved a little bit, but I'm, I'm just thankful it's still there for God's sakes. Um, but, uh, on the subject of, um, I almost called him Mike Hammer because that's really how I think of Stacy Keach. Um, I talked about this a little bit, uh, when I was on, um, uh, on talk without rhythm for uh, touch of evil. Um, and that was, uh, that was also uh, sandwiched with another movie called Kiss Me Deadly, which is a Mike Hammer film. Uh, growing up, my mom was like a big Mike Hammer fan. So, like, I can't see Stacey Keach and not picture Mike Hammer. Um, but it's funny because I know that he's done other roles. Like, for instance, you think I would think, and I talk about how much I love Batman, Mask of the Phantasm all the time in the show. He's the voice of Phantasm, and he plays uh, the father in that as well. But I don't think of that. I don't think of Titus, which um, he was really funny on Titus. Uh, oh, he was which hilarious was a show. Titus, yeah. Yeah, that, that only ran for about three years back in the, the like late 90s, early 2000s. But he was really great on that. So um, I should have known like going into this that he would be really good. But his sort of like sadness, but also sort of willing to do anything to get his hair back and just sort of schlubby guy who... Because he's not really schlubby. He's like a, an attractive dude, but he's just got thinning hair. And the way that sort of like wrecks everything around him, uh, I think that he gives a really great performance. And a, a, a one that uh, that could have been overdone uh, when it comes to the comedy. And I think that he kind of hits all the right notes. 
Yeah, like the sequence whenever he uh, first unfurls the the um, bandage and the hair's falling mm-hmm. out. And like, well, it's it's falling from the bandage, not out. Just how he goes from like did it work to like now he is like unstoppable. Like I don't know that whole sequence was really funny. Him like you know like acting into the mirror with his long hair, and then also I love that his default setting for hair he wants was like the Fabio, you know, as opposed to. <laughs> Like I, I remember once, um, this was years and years ago, my dad who his, he always kept his hair, but it was, it was thinning, but there was a point he came to our house. My, my parents were separate at the time, but he had gotten, he got, he got a perm and my mom couldn't stop laughing at him. And, uh, <laughs> that didn't go well that day. I'll just tell you that. Like the, the perm didn't last. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Um, so, uh, watching this to seeing like, especially now that like in hindsight with how they're like, we talk about like fragile masculinity, like this is done just in hair relation, but also in terms of like, you know, we, he's, it's him, like his character, like, like, like faded youth. Right. But now it's like, we're in this day and age where there is people that will, you know, I don't know. Um, they want to take uh, what red light treatment to their, um, to their nether regions, you know, like and other things to, and like low testosterone and blah, 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 are you blah, ma- blah, blah. Are you mocking me for tanning my balls? Um, I'm not, no, I mean, if that, you know, do you, that's fine. Okay. You know, like, I mean, if, if that, if that replenishes your testosterone, because we as a nation are becoming <laughs> softer, weaker men, right? right? I mean, I mean, that's what Facebook is telling me now, because I said the words Tucker Carlson out loud once by accident. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like the whole thing, like, and now how, like, even now there's like, you know, boot camps for men to feel like men and become manly and whatever. It's like this, you know, not that, not that this hasn't ever been a thing even back then, but it's like, I think even, I think the segment is, is it's more, um, it's more, uh, you can relate to it more now with the way people freak out about their, their appearance and like their lost youth. And I really, I like that we stuck with him and his struggles to begin with before, uh, before immediately going to the hair clinic. I like that this act for being a, sh- a short segment, it took its time to get there. And I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, uh, I think Steve was, was onto something earlier when he said, uh, you know, we, we, where his instinct was sort of to call Stacy Keach's character schlubby. Um, which is interesting because the thing is that he's not, which Steve kind of corrected it. He said, Oh yeah, well, he's not really schlubby. He's a good looking guy. But the, the, this segment does a wonderful thing that's very difficult to do, which is outline the character. Stacey Keats is able, actually able to show us as an audience uh, lack of confidence isn't sexy. And so his whole, like, he looks fine, but because he's so ashamed of it, because he's so bothered by it, he becomes schlubby as a result. And it's a very, very, very complex idea that Keach is just nailing um really well uh it's a it's a marvelous performance but i mean she even the the girlfriend kind of points it out where she's like you know well look i i'm with you i I don't care about your hair um the fact that you are obsessed over this is what's making you less attractive and it's really it's really interesting i think um but yeah i think in a modern era it would be like you know he would want you know, penis enlargement pills or something, you know, or even like those people now that are actually getting like the leg lengthening surgeries. I don't know if you've seen that where they will actually get their legs broken and they'll put themselves in like, you know, like a, like a millimeter a day to get like five, six inches for their legs to grow like longer. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, they were doing that a long time ago, but that there was a thing. Uh, actually, in Legend of Hell House, they talk about that. Oh, that's true. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He had uh, he had broken his own legs off and uh, broken his legs so that he could get implants so that he would be uh, seven feet tall or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he was ashamed of his height, um, which as a, a bit. It's so already we're on the, on the thing of like, you know, well, I'm a short balding man so I, I guess i sympathize but i'm not going to break my legs nor would i go through any sort of experimental hair treatment i'm just gonna you know go bald with dignity i think but well you're probably still taller than tom cruise so give yourself credit there um uh yeah well i mean yeah i, I think so <laughs> but yes um although he has all his hair i mean but, uh, all the thetans have left so that's, you know, maybe have you thought about getting rid of all your thetans? Maybe that's what's, well, yeah, know. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think eventually though, like Tom, it's going to be like, you know, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, <laughs> it's going to catch up to him and that's it. <laughs> yeah. He'll just, or like, yeah, like Donovan at the end of Last Crusade, like he'll just like, you know, and just like melt into a, a pile of bones. But like, yeah, they'll do the last shot for the last Mission Impossible film and like, and they'll just, they'll just turn to dust and just blow away. And that's just it. Right. Blow away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has chosen poor <laughs> he's become one with the wind now. yeah yeah um, um yeah but yeah no it's 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 interesting that just to, to kind of watch it from that perspective too is that i uh, you know i'm losing my hair quick um and so i'm looking at it going like yeah at least i'm not that guy like that you know i don't feel that badly about my hair loss it 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 bothers me like at work sometimes I, uh, you know, I can see security cam footage and just like the gigantic bald spot on the top of my head. And I'm like, see, everybody can see this, but because I'm short, so everybody can see it. Um, but have you I thought about paint? Have you thought about like Stacy Keach? Have you thought about just putting some paint? on there just like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like get a little, yeah, yeah. get some, get well, some. No, I mean, the thing is I'm not going to be that sad. I mean, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to try to cover this up or wear a hat all the time or anything like that. It's just ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> you're going to become a beret yeah, guy yeah. like he did, right? Like he came into the, the hair place. So he's wearing like a, a military beret, right? I thought that was really right. funny. Like he came in looking like a uh, Dabney Coleman from cloak and dagger. You know, walking in there, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like I thought that was funny. Um, it would have been funny if we kept seeing him wearing a different type of hat every scene, but that would have right. been great too. But I like it even when he's feeling sick and he wakes up like the next day with the hair even longer, he, like he's like, Oh, I don't, I don't feel so good. I am going to go to the hairdresser and have all the women fawn over me. And then he like, it's just, I, I just love like how it just, he just looks like, um, what's that? What, what are those, uh, Los Opsos or whatever? He just looks like this big, like, <laughs> like, like, you know, hairy dog. And he's still, you know, he's still feeling sick. Like the hairdresser's losing his mind. I thought that was, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I like, uh, I like that he, uh, his original like toupee looked better than his actual long hair. Yeah. Um, like his, the, 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 I mean, obviously I think that's part of the joke, but the, the, Stacy Keach with long hair, long Fabio hair looks absolutely absurd. And, uh, but he's looking like at Myers of the mirror and like, well, no, you can't touch it. If I let you touch it, I'll have to let everybody else touch it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought this segment was a lot of fun and then it, it just kind of turns right. And then that's like, and that's good. Cause you got to have, you got to have the dark turn and, uh, the fact that it was like little tiny snakes, which I, that part was already ruined for me because people have talked about the segment, but I thought, all of his hair was going to become snakes. And I'm like, how are you going to do that? But I guess just some right. of it's snakes, which whatever. Cause I was expecting when the dress hairdresser to cut it, I was expecting him to like feel it and it hurt him. 
But, right. you know, oh, well, just but the little tiny snakes, though, I thought that was funny, especially like because they never explain why David Warner's character, who is possessed, how he's able to have them in his brain and function. But like, you know, I just whatever. Also, I have because questions. He's an alien. Yeah, he's an alien. I like that he took the photo of Stacey Keach and put it in the visualizer, which was just a VCR. Did you notice right. that? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's like, I'm just going to put my photo in this VCR and that's technology. I thought that was great. Um, I just, I love the, 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 not give a shit about the technology portion of it. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought the segment was a lot of fun. I wish the ending, I don't, I just, maybe I wish it would have went further with the body horror cause it was pretty bad at the end, but I kind of wanted to see what his final form would be. I, I think that's the only thing about that I think is missing. Yeah, I, I would agree, agree with that. that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Steve, go ahead, Sam. Uh, yeah. My everybody, apologies. please. Everybody else, please talk. Oh, uh, yeah. I said I would agree with that. I I think if he would have turned into like a writhing mass of you know, of snake hair follicles or something, that would have been a little bit cooler. But uh, overall, I mean, I I appreciated the segment. It was more comedic than the first, and you know, I was hoping to hit all those notes like a Jordy Verrill level hair right. monster. Yeah, uh, he becomes he becomes a Wookie. That's what I wanted to see. Right. <laughs> but then I would also like if he would still been so vain that he would have thought that everything about that's an improvement. You know? Right. Um, and then he can go live with all the other uh, people on the moon that are, um, Oh, what is it? Uh, uh, not mutants. What do they call them? Uh, the, the other Marvel people, the ones, um, the inhumans. Yeah. Yeah. He's an inhuman. He can go, <laughs> he can go live with the rest <laughs> of them. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I, I like what happens if the Terrigen mist doesn't bless you in the right way. Right. right. So there we go. So yeah, right. you're doing the either Lockjaw or Stacy Keach from Bodyback. <laughs> See, they should have <laughs> cast him as Medusa in the Inhumans TV show. Right. That would have been that would have been like the amazing casting, right? Uh, bring him back. Stacy Keach, Keach is still alive, right? I think so. Yes, he is. Yeah. I, I looked him up while we were talking. <laughs> 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 uh, unfortunately, yeah, the the legendary uh, David Warner uh, passed away last year, but right. um, uh, but uh, uh, he's a little he's a little wasted here, I think. But um, I'm always always glad to see David Warner in anything whenever he pops up. Uh, such a phenomenal character actor, probably one of my all time favorite character actors. And he's just uh, I love that he's got. He's the president of this hair club for men thing, but his hair is all messy. It's, um, but it's also, it's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be messy in a stylish way, mm -hmm. but by night, by modern standards, it looks like he kind of rolled out of bed. Um, which is actually, oh, by the way, my overall, my favorite thing about this whole movie is that it's 1993 and you get to look back at what was contemporary in 1993. And it's kind of silly. Uh, we'll talk about that more in the next segment. Yeah, um, you know. um, just two things. What I mentioned, Stacy Keach was in the show uh, for a few episodes for Blue Bloods, so he was in the show with uh, right. Tom Selleck. So that that tracks. I hope they had a hope they had a mustache off. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, and then also watching with this with Powers Booth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish he was around still. That'd have been great. Uh, but also I want to mention that David Warner's character with him being kind of this like you know I can I can change your life. It reminded me because recently we watched um, the Guillermo del Toro's ca uh, uh, Cabin of Curiosities uh, for an episode of Strange Highways. And there's an episode called The Outside that has a character that's dealing with like a skin cream she wants to fit in. And she sees an infomercial with Dan Stevens 
uh, that's telling her that, you know, she needs to, you know, do better. And it's like watching David Warner here. I'm like, oh man, if you did an update of this, Dan Stevens would be the perfect guy to put in there. And he could give him like the big, like, you know, that big hair. And it would be so good. Uh, maybe the outside's kind of like an updated version of this. I don't know, but it's I just watching David Warner. He always, he was always him. And he always classed it up. Like he was, he's kind of like Christopher Lee. Like, I don't care what I'm in. I'm willing to bring, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it. And I, and I really right. liked him in this too. So, so yeah, the segment was a lot of fun. Um, all right. So, uh, last segment here is called I, and this was directed by a uh, Toby Hooper, which we'll talk about more of that about that in a second. So Sam, I'm going to put this on you. What is the all segment right. I about? Uh, well, Mark Hamill is a uh, baseball player who uh, gets in a car accident while trying to avoid hitting a deer on a very rainy night. Uh, while reaching for a cassette. While reaching for a cassette of... Yeah, you know, he, has the, he has to get his cassette tapes. Well, right? did, did you guys recognize the cassette cover? I, it looked familiar I, to me. I couldn't... I didn't catch the cassette cover. Yeah. I wish, wish I had. Mm. But yeah, did anybody? I just, I, the, 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 um, the color looks familiar, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't place it. Um, but yeah, I wish I, I wish I could have figured that out. Um, right. But he gets a piece of glass in his eye and, uh, has to, you know, get an eye transplant, uh, an experimental eye transplant from, uh, Dr. John Agar. And, uh, turns out that the eye he got came from a serial killer. So shenanigans, they do ensue. <laughs> I like you call him Dr. John Agar. And then also yeah. we have uh, Dr. Roger Corman there as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, uh, we have, um, Mark Hamill, never heard of him. Uh, you know, (laughs) Steve's biting his lip right now. Uh, Twiggy, uh, being, uh, the wife, um, and we have, bitty, bitty, (laughs) (laughs) bitty, not Twiggy. Twiggy. Oh, Oh. uh, we have, uh, Charles Napier. We saw him for a second being the baseball manager. Right. Uh, and that was the, uh, that was about the only other person that stood out to me in the segment. Yeah. But, uh, but Steve, I know you, you've been wanting to talk about this one for a second because I know of the director and also, uh, because you're a big, uh, John Hagar fan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got a ton of, uh, Bespin John Hagar figures (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) No, uh, real quick though, just to go back to hair, I did get to say my 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 plan. If I do lose my hair, is I'm gonna I'm gonna follow in the footsteps of both uh, Hulk Hogan and Bret Michaels. I'm just gonna grow out my back really long, and mm-hmm. then buy a bandana. I'm pretty there sure that that will convince everyone that I'm still virile oh, and no fully one will hairy. be any the wiser. Yeah. Can you, exactly. No, you gotta do. Yeah. You gotta do um, the the former president's uh, hairstyle or Bill Murray from uh, Kingpin. You got to do that where you just right. like grow out the side and just whip it over. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah. Like it's big, big cotton candy. You know, <laughs> just, just get a clown wig. I, I do, do want to say that like, um, you know, um, uh, in my family, uh, pie baldness runs on my, uh, my mom's side. And like, so my grandfather was piebald and then like my uncles were like piebald. And then like, I have two brothers and they're like, they're both like that. And somehow like, like all the other genetics, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I have all the other bad stuff, but I'm like, thank Christ I didn't get that one. Cause it's not a matter of being bald or not. That's fine. But it's like, I know I'm also overweight and I don't like facial hair. So if I was bald without facial hair, I would just look like just a complete, I don't know, man, not great. You know, no, that's why I've been uh, that's actually why I've been wearing a beard for the last like year and a half is is uh, yeah, I think it helps make the hair a little bit more 
uh, presentable. But eventually, yeah, eventually I'm gonna, I'm probably just gonna shave it, well, shave it off. It's like, like shave my head. Those little magnitude. Like, well, at least I'll, I'll have the D and D dwarf thing going at least, you know. <laughs> Yeah. With the beard. Just, no, just go for the stone cold, man. Just do the stone cold um, facial hair and everything else. That'd Goatee. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah. Um, I just, I, I, I just don't like, I don't like facial hair and I'm just, I didn't, cause I feel like if that was the case, then I'd have to get facial hair and start wearing like a Dom DeLuise hat. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I just can't like, cause you don't, cause come on, come on. Let's be honest. Like, 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 like I'm know, sorry, Paul. I'm just like, I'm trying to picture that now. I definitely am getting you a Don Deloitte. Do not. For also, yeah. Mary will kill you because yeah. I put one one. I put on one once in like a Sears as a joke, and she's like, "You look like my grandfather." She made me immediately take it off. Um, and it's just like I just feel like that becomes like a thing where, and then like the guys that like they're like overweight and they have facial hair, like they have to really like like oh I'm on I'm into beard grooming. It's like yeah, because it's all you got. You know, right, like yeah. a beard isn't a personality. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm now, I'm now imagining Paul, uh, uh, it, like uh, king size Homer. Now <laughs> it, it, it is. Wait, wait, she, Paul, where are you? I'm washing my fat guy hat, honey. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just going. I'm just going to give up and wear a muumuu and that that fat guy hat. That's exactly no. But hey, t- Patty, t- I got a movie for you. Yeah, fridge too far. <laughs> I don't want to look like a freak. Uh, just give me the moo moo. Yeah. I'll get the drinky bird to press the buttons on my keyboard, key, keyboard too. No, no, I just, I don't, I'm sorry. We're talking about eye, not, uh, not hair, but it's just, I, my God, like I just, you know, like I just, I keep hoping, you know, like that everything, like I'm, I, you know, I'm in my mid forties and I'm like, if I, like I told myself if I can just get to 40 with my hair. I'll be okay. And I'm like, and I'm like, I got to 40. I'm like, I know I was lying to myself. I need to keep this going, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, Steve, you're talking. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. The the star of this uh, segment here is Mark Hamill. Um, you know, I I love Mark Hamill. I've talked about him a lot on the show. Uh, so I obviously don't have to talk about him much. But I will say that this was a nice little because uh, this was a complete surprise. I didn't know he was in it, and I, I I'm sure that he was featured in the trailer because. Uh, Obviously, you played it earlier, but I haven't seen it since I initially, uh, you know, went back and and bought the film 10 years ago or whenever it was that I did buy it. Um, But uh, um, it was nice to see him. It was it's always a surprise when he pops up in things, but uh, also uh, to see him play something where I feel like he's 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 stretching. You know, Um, I love his Joker. Um, but his Joker is really like him getting to let loose, you know, uh, this is, this is him somewhere between Luke Skywalker and the Joker, I guess, in the sense that, um, he's, he's doing an accent. I don't know what accent he's doing here, but he's doing an accent. I don't know if it's Southern or Southern. Yeah. yeah. It's something. Um, it's something. But yeah. I wasn't able to like lock it down. I'm like, ah, there's an accent happening, but I don't know. And it's not like it's a bad accent, mind you. It's just like. It no, still I, sounds I, like Mark Hamill, but it's yeah. yeah. I think that's well, I think that's I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Something I noticed last night that uh, you know, yeah, you can't really pin it down because he's not really doing an accent. He's just that good of a voice actor that he's able to be like, this is just my voice. You're not even going to notice that I'm doing something different. Uh, it's it's actually quite phenomenal. Uh, but no, I love I, I I'm always happy to see Mark Hamill. He's such a, 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 a wonderful man in general that I'm always thrilled when he pops up in films and stuff. Yeah. And at a time where, you know, he wasn't doing a lot of on 
camera work. You know, he was at this time he is doing the Joker pretty much. And I, I didn't pull up the IMDb to see what else he was doing, but I think like the wing commander game. Um, and I don't know if that's previous to this or after this, cause I know that there's a movie that comes out later, but like, my memories of Wing Commander was is that it had filmed sections that happened in between, like, the gameplay, or as I guess what they call now cutscenes. Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, wasn't that the thing? Was that, like, he was a part of that? And then mm-hmm. the only other thing I could think of is, like, the Giver, which I've never seen, but I know he's in that. No, he, I think he was part of, like, they call it the what time, what, full motion video? segments on okay. wing commander that was a big deal because those are like that like oh it's wing commanders the pc yeah, pc so yeah he was uh i like i looked at the imdb here it says wing commander merlin uh and then and then um parentheses it says voice question mark like i don't understand what that <laughs> means uh but yeah he was also um yeah just a lot of a lot of tv stuff a lot of voice acting um but yeah, this is like he obviously having like a second life doing voice acting, rightfully so. Good job. But him actually getting like a live action role that wasn't, you know, Star Wars. Right. So that's and him also playing a character that, you know, is is conflicted. Um, and yeah, this is it. it like we know Mark Hamill's capable of turning on the crazy. But I did like that we kind of like, oh, yeah, he's actually a nice guy. Poor decision-making while driving on a wet road, reaching for a cassette tape. But then again, I can't tell you how many um, uh, burritos I've unwrapped while actively driving down a freeway. So who am I to judge, you know, people's uh, road hazards and safety while driving? I've, we all we all had that cassette thing, right? We all had that, that big um, luggage of cassettes at one point or the big CD wallet, right? Well, mine's like, 8-tracks, but same difference. <laughs> You're like, I, I was like, I had this wax record, uh, <laughs> wax cylinder player in my car. It took a while to find all of them. But yeah, we've all done that where it's like, can I look down for a second? Can I, oh, can I grab the tape? You know, so very relatable, but it's also like, oh, 90s kids remember reaching for a cassette tape and then driving off, off the road and to miss a deer and hit a, right. hit a um, telephone pole. Um, so if, if anything that dates it, but I thought that was funny, like funny as in, oh yeah, I do remember that being a bad thing happening to people. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, sorry, I'm talking about road, road safety, not the segment. Um, the, the glass in his eye is pretty gnarly. I will say yeah. that. Like I, I knew something bad was going to happen. I wasn't expecting that though. That was very upsetting to me. Well, the, the segment in general was pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point where I think it doesn't quite work because it's so, uh, different in tone from the other two that, um, and not just because Toby Hooper is directing it. It's actually just the whole thing is just way nastier than anything else this movie's doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, name another name another uh, movie that has Mar- has Luke Skywalker uh, sexually assaulting his wife. Um, like that's you know tough stuff. You know, <laughs> pa- you know full the, ass hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full, full, full bare ass naked Luke Skywalker. What, what, too. I, uh, when I was reading this on Letterboxd, I looked and I saw a friend of mine had watched the movie a couple years ago and he wrote a review. And his last line was, I'm pretty sure I saw Luke Skywalker's balls. It <laughs> was the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, even very that. Very like, fateful uh, findings moment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, uh, or him. Um, he, he ties his wife's hair Ugh, to right. the table, table leg. And I'm like, that's, there's just, somehow that's worse than anything else in this whole movie. And I don't know why. Like I was watching going like that, 
just is unsavory. Like, I just don't know what, what to think about that. Um, but no, I mean, like, it's pretty hardcore for a movie that, you know, features a uh, goofy, you know, formaldehyde drinking Crypt Keeper character and a guy whose hair turns into tiny snakes and uh, Mark Hamill uh, biting his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad. Oh. Uh, it's like, okay, one of these things doesn't quite fit. Um but Hooper has that sensibility. I mean, Hooper is uh, Hooper was a dark, dark man. Uh, supposedly, in in no way an actual behavior. Apparently, he was like the nicest guy ever in like the I've, whole world. I've, but, I've heard that he was kind of like a, a just a, a a hippie that just never stopped being a hippie in the sense that yeah. like he that was just who he was. He was like a nice dude who uh, was just sort of like, why don't we all love each other kind of guy? And I could be wrong on that, but that's what I've heard. It sounds like Vince Gilligan, which like, if you ever hear him, it's like, that's the nicest guy. It's like, well, what he's, what has he written? Oh, Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul and a lot of X-Files and like, right. oh, somebody, somebody got their head smashed from an ATM. Like, like these are, oh, that guy, that's the guy that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Mick, Mick, uh, Mick Garris, who uh, somehow isn't in this movie. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good uh, point. Good, good call. Yeah. Somehow is some. I mean, I feel like this is the type of movie that like John Carpenter and and Toby Hooper would like go to the fridge to get a beer and like open it up and Mick Garris is just in there. Like, hi guys, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, they they were like, we're greenlighting this movie for Showtime, like somewhere out in the world, like you know, on the other side of the country. Mick Garris, just like something's happening. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I can't believe he's not in it. Um, uh, but that's, that's anyway, the credit. But Mick he, Garris, he referred to Toby Hooper as uh, he said he was is this uh, self-effacing sweet man uh, who is capable of thinking in ways most people dare not think. Um, that just the things that Toby Hooper will think of are so awful. But he's actually apparently the nicest guy. But. So with, with uh, the, he was purposely chose by um, Carpenter to do this segment. So here, here's why. Um, so Carpenter felt like uh, he was worried that trying to direct all three segments in addition to playing the corner and then composing the score and then also gearing up, you know, for his, like the next thing he's working on, he's like, it might be a bit much. So he, so he said like, you know what? Um, I gave it to Toby. It was the hardest one to do. <laughs> so that's what he said. Then that Hooper actually said, yeah, I got the tough one. Um, he's like, and it was the longest one of 44 pages it goes, but for me, it was all, it was fun to make because it had an edge to it that I really understood. Was that the tying the hair to the table? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> was it, was it the repeatedly seeing, uh, like dead naked woman coming up out of the backyard? Like what, what was all that? Or, or the garbage disposal? <laughs> like the part that bothered me the most was, uh, whenever, you know, Hamill's character kept seeing things and he saw the hand come out of the disposal he reached in and that bothered me more because it's like, I know you turned that off, but you're reaching into a garbage disposal. I don't care what you find in there. You're sticking your hand in a garbage disposal. That, that bothered yeah. me more than anything else in this movie. <laughs> like the idea of like, Oh, that's going to turn on. It's going to turn on. But no, he just found scrambled eggs, which by the way, if your wife's going to make you breakfast, you eat that breakfast. It looked pretty good. That seems like a dick move. Well, well it was the eye. Yeah. He was being a dick anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, How that, do you it, guys... it always starts with that. It's like, you know, I, I'm turning evil. Well, I'm not eating your fucking breakfast. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, Paul. 
<laughs> oh, oh, I'm not, oh, oh I'm no. Not eating, I'm not eating your breakfast. Oh, it's going down the garbage. Now PG-13. Just because he was a vegan. Like, did it ever occur to him if you just put an eye patch over the eye unless he was playing baseball? Like, that maybe that'd be better. You know, like get the eye healed up and then you go out for some batting practice. Well, and, his you know, wife is like, she won't, she like doesn't want to sleep with him because the eye freaks him out. I'm like, well, make love before you take the contact out. Right. I mean, like, why are you like, just take the contact out right before bed. Not like, you know, <laughs> oh, now I'm going to get frisky, like, you know, with my weird ass eye, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. I he, bet you he doesn't mean Popeye though. So like if he right. just closes his eye, you know, he, no, I, he I'm, I'm sure that. Play. I, yeah, I'm sure that will definitely get her in the mood. His prim, uh, vaguely British uh, Christian housewife. Yeah, she's gonna be like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Popeye. Um, <laughs> Speaking of accents, I thought she was playing Southern to begin with, but it kept slipping in and out. Did you guys notice yeah. that too? I didn't care, but I was like, right. it, but then it's like, oh, you're Southern. Um, the, the Southern British Isles. Like, I don't understand what's going on. It kept, it kept drifting. Yeah. I think they just, I, I think they just gave up. I really feel like it's just like, she's just uh British for whatever reason. Right. It, I mean, it's like, well, I mean, she's, she is British. I mean, she is British. Yes. Right. I, I think it's, I think it's King 19, the Widowmaker. Uh, the Harrison Ford plays a, a Russian submarine general or whatever. And he tries the accent for about, I don't know, the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie and then it just goes away. Like it's like, this sounds very Harrison Ford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they could have done yeah. like the, I'll the, do the accent for two days and then I forget it. The red October <laughs> thing of just push in They're stop. They're not speaking Russian anymore. And somehow your submarine captain is Scottish. You right. know, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no, I'm uh, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Steve. No, no I just ahead. wanted to ask you guys, cause I feel like this is the type of story that we've seen a lot and I, I can't pinpoint the origins of it, but, um, the idea of the transplanted body part uh, affecting the person, I feel like, is something that we've seen a lot. Idea for a horror story. How do you guys feel about that? Like, I know people really like that film, Body Parts. I've not gotten around to see it just because, like I said, other iterations of this type of story have never really kind of gelled for me. Um, but where do you guys fall on that sort of idea of you know, oh, he's evil now because he lost his arm and now he's got an evil arm. Or I, in this case. I, I don't think I've ever really seen it done particularly well. Um, I uh, I do remember uh, there was a good uh, episode of Angel, the TV series, uh, where uh, one of the villains gets an evil hand. Um, and he, um, it turns out it's not evil, but uh, it's, it's it was a good episode, but it was... Um, it's always a weird device. I mean, I think my favorite usage of it is again the Simpsons, like Hell to Pay. Yeah, Hell to Pay. Yeah, with uh, Steak is fried in the electric chair for smoking in the Wiki Mart, <laughs> and his hair is given to Homer as a transplant. And Homer try, goes out, is possessed by Snake. He goes out and kills everybody that was uh, that fingered him. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I, yeah, I can't think of anything. Uh, actually, I mean, at some point, Sam and I got to cover the hand, right? Oliver Stone and uh, uh, Michael yeah. Kine. Um, but um, I don't think that's a transplant. I think it's just his hand comes back, gets cut off, and it comes starts yeah. crawling around, killing people, which is better. <laughs> um, 
and then it hides with the Adams family later. It just it, it does Correct. its business and goes over there. And it it's reforms. Like, yeah, it reforms and joins. Uh, so uh, in in the book, uh, the assault on the system, they mentioned um, that this is a, um, a variation on uh, Maurice Renard's uh, surgical horror classic, uh, The Hands of Orlock from 1920, uh, which was sure. then yeah. um, was that was filmed then and became Mad Love with Peter Lorre and Colin Clive, uh, and then The Hands of Orlock in '60 with Mel Ferrer and Christopher Lee. So this has been something that's been visited, uh, you know, a couple times. I I don't mind the idea. And there's even that movie I what was it about 20 years ago now where right. it was like somebody gets like the the transplants and they're seeing like you know visions of like past killings. I think it's a perfectly okay um, device. I, the idea that the eye would be possessive of him I think is a bit weird. But like but if it was showing him things that you know shouldn't be seen. But I also I'm like wait I didn't know the eye had a brain. That feels weird to me, but whatever. It just, it, it's, I mean, we're already, we just watched a segment in which there was snake hair. You know, I like if I'm, if I'm in, I'm in uh, my only problem with the segment is that when he goes and does the thing that happens in all movies at this time, where you have to go look at the microfilm in the microfiche at the library to read stories at the library. Yeah. 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 Hard. Yeah. I just wish they would have got the noise of him looking through articles. Right. Cause you got to have that. You got to have, there should be a montage. Yes. You know, you got to have him reading all the stories. Yeah. It calls for a montage. It does. And then him going to the card catalog repeatedly and then him going to go look for the book and then can't find it and goes back to the card catalog and realizes he wrote down the wrong number. Yeah. That's what we need. Um, you know, or like the eye keeps like dragging him towards like, you know, true crime sections of the life. It's like, no, not right now. I, We'll get back to that later, you know. Like, why do you make me keep checking all the books out with blonde women? This is weird. Um, so, uh, I just the, the fact that he reads out loud like where the eye came from and what this guy did, and then immediately he just goes home and he's like, "All right, I guess I'm possessed now." It's like I wish there would have just been like a brief moment of him being like, "Let me tell you," like telling his wife, "Like I can't be around you because." this is what's going on. Right. And then maybe her being like, but the Bible. And then he snaps right. at that point because they put a lot of stock in the Bible being the thing that was going to ground them, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, a lot of people do that though. So. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you need to go to the doctor. Oh, I, I don't, I just got the Bible. I'm fine. I mean, I know that's <laughs> healthcare in America at this point, but you know, like, um, I just, that bit. Cause like when he's in the backyard, like digging again, he's like, I'm digging your grave, honey. It's like, that's vicious. And like, you know, you're like, Oh no, something bad's going to happen. But I, there, there's like, there's like a scene missing, right. Where right. he's now aware of the truth and he needs to have that moment of like, I need to try to fight this as opposed to, all right, I guess I'm killing my wife. <laughs> you know, like, um, it's almost like you mentioned the Simpsons. It's almost like, uh, like the shinning where he's like, all right, I guess I'm doing this now, you know, <laughs> like whatever. That's the only thing that's my frustration with this is that that turn it, that happens too fast in a segment that moves along at a pretty good clip. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of the most complex segment as well. I mean, it's, it's longer than the rest and you know, it's, it's a more complex setup than the rest of them, I think too. Um, I think if you would have really cut out the baseball stuff, you would have had time to uh, have a scene in there where, where you know, that happens. Because, uh, I mean, the baseball stuff doesn't really add anything other than, you know, oh, I need my eyes to play baseball. Like, well, you need your eyes for everything. Um, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really need to be like, you know, 
contingent on, on that. You know, <laughs> he's like, I can't prepare taxes anymore unless I have a second eye. Like, okay, sure. Right. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, man, I really like seeing 3d movies, yeah. you know, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's like, Hey, Mark Hamill, I know you're already a pirate at sea, but you know, like, <laughs> be like i don't want to be one of those pirates i want to be one with two eyes you know yeah Um, that's what that's kind of what i riffed at home when he he was he's he comes in he sees that she tells him he uh she's pregnant and he like looks out the window she's like you're worried about the future and he's like oh no something will turn up and i'm like yeah there's a a a lot of work on the market for a uh uh, unemployed pro baseball player (laughs) right yeah um There's a, a minor of, league, uh, a minor league, yeah, a minor league pro baseball player. Like also that house, like I don't, she's the one making the money, not him. Right. right. Cause like, um, yeah, like it's like, yeah, I'm something will turn up. It's like, what are you, you going to do now? Just work at like a car lot and be like, Hey, I was that one guy that did a thing, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that, I think that was the use of the baseball thing was, yeah. uh, that they at least established he had a job that made him money that he wouldn't have any more. I mean, right. that's the only thing I think it added for is that it was like, you know, there's probably was some money. Was he ma- minor league? I thought he was major league. He was minor. Yeah. He was, was like he minor. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. I almost want to say that the team was the same team, uh, same team name from uh, Brewster's millions. I, I hope it was. No, that was the Hackensack Bulls. These were the bison. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, same same animal, different different type of animal. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it basically it looks like he would be in major league, be like one of those guys being called up. Right. Like, cause yeah. I think, yeah, but but yeah, he was minor league, so there was never going to be a guaranteed contract unless he got picked up by the majors, and that was his hope, right? So, right. Um, no, like I, the the religion part of this, because if you're going to like the whole thing ends with that, like the uh, the the quote of like you know, if your eye sends, it's better to cast it away or whatever the the, the actual right. line is. Like that seems like that's a setup for like a joke. Like you know, here we go. It's what the Bible says, and they've been believing it this entire time. Right. That seems a long way to get to a Bible quote for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Steve, I know you're a believer. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I, I don't know if it was just me. I, well, it probably was just me, but I kept hoping, and I don't know why. I've, I'd obviously seen the, the movie before, but upon my rewatch, I was like, oh, man, I, I don't remember. I think it's Robert Curadine's eye. Like, I was really hoping that they were going to bring it around from the first segment. That the guy that he inherits was uh, Robert Carradine's, but that's obviously not the case. Um, But that's what I kept hoping for. And I'm like, I've seen this before. I should have known that. Um, But, uh, you know, the Bible stuff doesn't bother me. Um, I think it was trying to ground the the, the horror of the story in – I don't want to use the word reality because I don't want that to be misconstrued. But – to to ground it in something other than just like it being an evil eye and to give his character some sort of conviction. Cause you know, that ending is pretty, pretty gnarly where it's just like, well, I guess I stabbed myself in the eye. Right. It's like, you could like also go to the hospital too. Solution. You could just go to the hospital and have them undo it, you know, like yeah. out, you know, whatever. Right. Yep. Like just smack him in the back of the head really hard. Like, cause they even <laughs> I mean, told there him should have been just a scene where he goes in and he's like, you guys got to take this out of me. Like get right. it out now. You know? And then the doctor, I think, would have been better for him to like stand his ground and be like, "No, this is a med- like a medical miracle. Like I'm not undoing this work, you know, like type of thing." Yeah, you know, I think in a longer story that absolutely would have happened. Yeah, yeah. but I, I like that would have. When he peels out of the, the the parking lot, like he's in the handicap spot, right? And then the way he just peels out like that that small little like whatever four door or whatever, 
guard is. He's like, and he just looks over at the doctor real mean again as he's driving away. Like, it's like, I, whatever that car is, it's like basically like it could be like a Ford Escort. You're like, oh yeah, that's menacing. You know, whatever. <laughs> My Dodge Omni, I'm getting out of here. You know, thanks, Mark Hamill. Uh. No, it was it was a fun segment. It's it's a little lacking, but it is it is gnarly. Like you like you said, Nathaniel, that's correct. The the, the whole the violence towards the wife is like it, it's rough then, it's worse now. You know, like cuz I think we've yeah. all got a lot more sophisticated as viewers to be like that shit doesn't fly, especially when yeah. she's like you bit me and he's like what? And he's like I see things. It's like, well, clearly you do. You bit my neck. I don't know what you're seeing, but you bit my neck. You know, right. yeah. <laughs> I love that they're having two completely different conversations in that scene. You know, <laughs> and also the bit with him like doing like working the making the the, the crib and him looking up, and then like right. you know the killer's mom like what did she like put a cigarette out on his eye or something? I don't she know. Put a cigarette in his eye. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like yeah. I, I started getting like uh, Eternal Sunshine uh, flashbacks. Right. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> But yeah, like it, it's, it's bonkers and I love it, but yeah, it, it is a bit of a, a bit of a whiplash. Um, but yeah, I like the segment. It's like one of those things, at least and, and baseball terms, I'd rather him swing for the fences, which Toby Hooper did, um, than, you know, than not. Cause I also feel like, um, the first two are great in terms of what they are, but you almost feel like Carpenter, there's times where it's like, you know, you know, he could push it, but I think he, I don't know. I think maybe he wasn't, I think he was trying to keep a little bit more in check because he had so much else going on with the rest of the movie, even right. with the wraparounds that Toby Hooper was the one that got to kind of just let it go. And so there's, there's fun to be had here. I don't think um, any of the segments are terrible. I don't think there's a stinker among the three, which no. I think is not always the case with an anthology film. Um, I, I, I actually had a lot of fun with all of this. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about I or the wraparounds. I like that. We see Tom Arnold for a second, him and Toby Hooper showed up to go. Right. Uh, we find out that the coroner is actually one of the bodies as well. That's all confusing, but I don't care. I love that Carpenter's head kept like, like he kept opening his eyes when they weren't looking like it's like toy right. story. Like don't look, don't yeah. look at the dead body, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like toy story mixed with Michigan J frog. That's that. The, right. Like, I like that ending. I thought that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I liked. Um, uh, did we mention Roger Corman? Just for a second, uh, I liked that he was like the, oh, ground, yeah. the the grounded doctor of like I don't trust this. <laughs> yeah, Roger Corman. Roger Corman plays uh, Mark Hamill's uh, doctor, and I'm, I wonder which one of them geeked out more uh, on set. To be honest, I, I like it's. It just seems like it would be name another movie where you get to see Luke Skywalker and Roger Corman like share right. a scene together. But but yeah, I promise the wonder like you know. Uh, I kept couldn't I couldn't stop seeing it where I was like, why is Mick Garris playing the other doctor? Why is John Agar here? But <laughs> yeah, well, so like in terms of like uh, a movie that is like very much like a if you know you know, uh, it's a celebration yeah. of like like you know horror. Um, this will bring me back to the the first time that I was on your guys' show on at the Devil's Ball talk about Sleepwalkers, how that was right. kind of a hodgepodge of different people and Mark Hamill for a second. Um, yeah. I think this this does a much better job, and I think this is a much stronger film than Sleepwalkers. Um, but yeah, I it's mean, it's not that hard. Yeah, <laughs> but that, I mean, nobody gets stabbed with a corn on the cob. But right. if if only Mark Hamill would have taken himself out with a cob to the eye at the end, <laughs> that would Alice amazing. Alice Krieg was uh, played his wife. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. But it, <laughs> that would have been amazing, you know, um, you know, uh, but, or, or if being a baseball player, someone would be like, keep your eye on the ball and somehow a baseball just, just took his eye out. That'd have been amazing. Right. too. But anyway, um, I just think this is one of those things. It's like, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the film, but this is one of those ones where, you know, it's like, you know, it's a delight if you already are versed. Right. But I like that it's there, but there isn't like, uh, Hey kids, it's Mark Hamill, which I know Steve, I'm making the joke from uh strike, uh, Jane Silent Bob strike back, but it's like, I don't, it doesn't need to pile on. It's just, it's like one of those things. It's like, welcome to the club. If you're in, you're in, if not, please enjoy this really gross, weird made for TV movie. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 I hesitate to do this, but I'm going to say it only because, uh, I don't want to forget about it. Um, in talking about Mark Hamill, uh, I just wanted to mention real quick, Paul, have you ever seen the movie, uh, comic book, the movie? No. Okay. So it maybe it's something that we should talk about in the show in the future. Um, it's from 2004. It's a movie, uh, written and directed by Mark Hamill. Uh, I guess he co-wrote it with Billy West. Uh, for those of you who know who Billy West is, he's most notably known as probably Fry from Futurama, but, a long story short is, is he made a movie where he plays a comic book fan who's upset about a studio making a movie about his favorite character. Um, and he basically goes after the last living family member, I believe, of the original creator to try and get him to uh, help him make the movie the way he believes it should be made. Um, and what was kind of smart about it at the time was uh, he was like, I go to conventions with all these people. Uh, who are also voice actors or actors. Um, how about I just film them at conventions and we say they're playing different characters and sometimes themselves like Bruce Campbell's himself there. And um, I think that's who he wants to play the character or whatever. But uh, I just wanted to throw that out there real quick uh, that I, I haven't seen it in probably 15 years and it's not a great movie, but I think there is some interesting ideas in it and okay. something we can talk about. Absolutely. So I'm just throwing it out there that uh, maybe at some point we should uh, talk about comic book the movie. Because I, I was looking through Mark Hamill's uh, filmography, you know, and for as much as I love Mark Hamill, I'm realizing there's a lot of stuff that I'm unaware of that he did. Now, granted, there's a lot of stuff where it's like he's the voice of a character on one episode of an animated series. But there is a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, you know, I, I either kind of forgot about this or, or haven't um, – you know, um, haven't seen this or didn't even know he was in it. So uh, throwing that out there, but to get back to body bags, you know, I do think that it's strong overall and um, bringing it back around to Carpenter. Uh, if you have, if, if anybody out there has the uh, first season of tales from the crypt on DVD, it's only the first six episodes, um, but there's a second disc that's included and it's a, one hour documentary um, and it may even be online. You can probably find it on YouTube now that I'm saying it, but there's a, a one hour documentary about the history of EC comics. And they talk to people. One of those people is Carpenter. And it's very clear that you can tell that Carpenter was a guy who was influenced by EC comics at, at the time uh, growing up. And uh, I think, you know, this to me is like an idea that I'm like, why, why I guess, you know, in a sense, Showtime probably didn't want to be, running up against HBO because at that point, I think uh, tales from the crypt had already been successful for at least three or four years, but I I'm, I'm still like, why didn't we get more of this? I want more. I want, I want silly John Carpenter. I want over the top uh, horror anthology. And it's just a shame that we only got this one movie. 
Yeah. So what actually happened, and we've talked about this uh, throughout the entire discussion here, that so this um, it premiered in August 1993, um, August 8th of 93 on Showtime, and reviews were mixed, which seems to be the the pattern of all Carpenter projects. Like it's always yeah. like you know, everything's like everything's mixed, and it's like okay, great. Um, they said that the ratings were solid but unspectacular, unspectacular, which again feels in par for a lot of Carpenter stuff where it's like, oh, it did good, but you know, not good enough. You know, um, Showtime soon lost interest and body bags never developed anything other, but the, but then a one-off experiment. Uh, but Carpenter, it seems like he was, um, kind of like relieved. It didn't go further because the, because the idea of being connected to an ongoing series in which he was like the producer and also like the horror host. I think he dipped his toes and was like, this was fun. Not for me, you know? So it sounds like he also was okay with walking away from it. But I think as, um, as an experiment for, you know, it's, it's a failed TV pilot, right? But as a one-off movie, I think this film works a lot more than a dozen. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, and it shows a lot of appreciation for why this thing exists. And I think Carpenter was really great as the horror host. Um, cause he got to say some really dark stuff. I mean, there's also the gag with him opening, um, the different freezer doors and there's a gag involving a very well endowed woman, uh, that, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you get away with that today. Also the trivia says that that, uh, body was, um, uh, donated by, uh, Ron Jeremy, which is really gross. I don't want to, I don't even want to know what that yeah. even means. Um, but yeah, it was, this was a lot of fun. So I'm going to put this to you, uh, Samuel, since this is your first time watch as well. What did you think of overall? Uh, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I think it had a lot of, you know, a good sense of humor. Um, I think the, uh, the, the gags and the puns and the host segments could have been tightened up a little bit. I, I feel like they were a little bit loose, but, um, overall it was a lot of fun. Um, none of the segments, you know, dragged on that much. Um, you know, there wasn't like one that was just, you know, like abysmal, like some, some anthologies have a segment in it where you're just like watching the clock the whole time. There's nothing, <laughs> I feel nothing like bad in here. Saying the VHS series without saying the VHS series, <laughs> the VHS series for sure. <laughs> Sometimes the whole movie is, is that, you know, <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. That last VHS was, was, was bad. Oh, uh, I, I don't think I went past two, um, but yeah, uh, oh, um, I'm, this I'm, was VHS 99. Yeah. So it was, you know, oof. but yeah. anyways, um, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, you know, watched it with Jen was half watching it with me and she was, you know, snarking on it with me. So it was fun, fun to do that, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I just had a good time. Good. It was I mean, that's what we could hope for, right? For something called right. body bags. It's the anthology, you know, we you, like, uh, what's the phrase now? It, 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 it's, uh, uh, what is advertised in the 10, right? Is that that's right, what they say? Right. right. So, yeah, I yeah. don't think, you know, we, it was, uh, it wasn't one of those things where like you watch it and you're like, God, I can't, I can't believe this didn't make it to a series, you know, but you know, it's still good. It's still fun. Yeah. And Nathaniel revisiting this, like, um, I know you're watching this with like the eye to talk about it. Anything else stand out to you in terms of watching this? And I, clearly you liked it, but I mean, anything else? Uh, no, no, not really. I, I, I enjoy the film. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's anything special, but I, I really, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, just as that, you know, who's who of character actors and a lot of fun with it, with, uh, 
you know, with maybe quality is a little lacking in terms of things. I mean, I don't think it's anywhere near Carpenter's best or, or Hooper's best. Um, but it's fun. It's definitely a fun movie. It's, it's worth watching. I, I had a good time with it, revisiting it. Um, I think, you know, the gas station is, is my favorite segment and that remains true. I think it's actually really, really solid. Uh, and then hair and I are mixed bags. But they are, but it's great to see Mark Hamill anyway. So, gotcha. And Steve, uh, revisiting this, uh, how, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I really like it. You know, I, I, yeah, I agree with pretty much everything both uh, Sam and Nathaniel said. Uh, I think the the only caveat that I would have is is that, uh, and I, I don't think it's a major revelation for me, but I, I have really been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, that I am, you know, I want to be the vegetable guy, but I, I'm really the junk food guy in the sense of, uh, you know, let's say that I had a choice between watching this and Midsummer. Like, I know that Midsummer is clearly the better movie. I know that it's the one that I should, you know, uh, be talking about and being like, oh, you know, this is my yearly rewatch of Midsummer. Um, and not that I'm rewatching this every summer, but like on a Saturday night, if I'm looking for something to watch, um, I'm going to go more for, you know, the junk food, you know, I'm going to go for, uh, over the top, John Carpenter, uh, having trouble in a, a morgue pulling out a body because the woman has implants as opposed to, you know, uh, a very important film about, uh, uh, <laughs> feminism, I guess is maybe the best way of putting it through the lens of horror. Like, mm. I, you know, also, also I, to, to be fair, you could watch this movie, I think three times back to back to back before you got done watching Midsummer once. I think that's also yeah, the, yeah. the uncut version, I think, is, is <laughs> at least three hours long. Right. Yeah. Um, no. So I, what I'm trying to say is, is that I think my enjoyment just comes from the fact that I think I like. I like the junk food side of things a little bit more than I'd like to admit. Uh, and uh, that's OK, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just one of those things where I, I realize that. You know, sometimes my interests lie more in having fun than as opposed to being like really examining a piece of art, which is, you know, uh, what Midsummer is. You know, that's certainly not me at all uh, discounting Midsummer. Don't don't get me wrong. I think it's an amazing film, but it's also not the one that I'm like when I'm looking to have a good time and want to relax with a horror movie. It's not the one that I'm going for. So um, I think that's probably why I enjoy this one a little bit more is just because I'm like, oh, I can kind of turn my brain off and enjoy the, the performances and the cameos and just watching, uh, you know, John Carpenter have a little bit fun uh, because, you know, he, he has that persona of being the cranky old man. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just fun to see him let loose a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think what you're saying is in line with me where I enjoyed this. This was a surprise. I mean, I, I knew we we're getting to it. I just didn't know like, the ins and outs of like, it wasn't all him, but there's other things going on and there's a lot here to talk about. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it and it's a lot of fun. And if this is something that I, you know, it would not be, I would not be offended if this was something that someone's like, yeah, let's just watch body bags. I'm like, yeah, let's just do it. You know, like this is a fun, not turn your brain off, but like, you know, I'd, I'd put this in the same line of like, you know, like, like tales from the crypt, like demon night, like, which I mean, I love demon night, but it's that kind of like, yeah, we're gonna have fun with this. Right. And I think having, if you're not, if you're not enjoying the thing you're watching, I don't know why you're watching it, you know, like, 
Um, so, so yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to it. Uh, one more step in our year, uh, another year of Carpenter. Um, so I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, before we get out of here though, I want to thank Nathaniel and Semiel for talking to us for longer than the movie as, as, as we do here on the show, uh, for talking well, about body you. bags. Yeah. Uh, always fun. No, it's always, always blessed. Uh, to talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, uh, please tell people where to find you and your stuff. And then you all, you're having your, um, uh, uh Sam neil or whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, yes. ode to Sam Neil. Uh, uh, Neil before Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Sam's Sam's original idea. Samuel's original idea. Yeah. So yeah, shill your things. Tell us. Tell people. Oh, yes. uh, uh, yeah. Well, we're on uh, we're on Twitter um, uh, at uh, Devils underscore at. Uh, we've got uh, we'll be releasing the Omen three uh, day or two. Probably, yeah. yeah, in the next day or two, and then uh, we'll be doing an episode on possession. Uh, 1981 and then um, in the mouth of madness and then we don't have anything picked for February yet so um, but we're, we're there we're on Facebook uh, at it's at just uh, at devil's ball right on mm-hmm. Facebook yeah and we're on Instagram with the same and we're on slasher I think slasher is a thing which is a horror uh, social media site. And I'm just looking at this now. It's at Devil's Ball. So, yeah. Okay. It's just uh, we're pretty much at Devil's Ball everywhere except Twitter where it's Devil's underscore AT because Devil's Ball was taken. So what's your what's your OnlyFans account name? Devil's Balls. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's at Luke Skywalker's Balls. You guys can yeah. find us at <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody go check out their stuff um sounds like they're getting to in the mouth of madness before we do so you can listen to the better conversation and then when steve and i step all over it here uh next month oh, um, yeah or or we'll, we'll maybe we'll sync them up side by side like like you put you play them both at the same time through two speakers and you get like uh like a flaming lips experience to see like the overlap <laughs> right now uh no, uh, yeah, go check out their guys. They'll, the, the, they'll both sync up to the movie uh, Wizard of Oz. For some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe we can figure out a way to make. Uh, maybe we'll just just mer- make it one big episode. Together. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure that out. Maybe um, we'll maybe we'll uh, if you guys are going to cover it that soon, maybe we can maybe we can work something out. Yeah, well, yeah, of yeah. course, we're we're down for that. So yeah, yeah. You, you guys could uh, find us on Invasion of the Podcast on, on Facebook, uh, invasionthepodcast.com, where there's a blog that has seven inches of dust, but you can go uh, read all my ramblings about various things, uh, from canon films to sequels to um, I don't know my my uh, distaste for the film explorers that Steve likes a great deal. Uh, you guys oh, can try. love that. <laughs> Yeah, same here. <laughs> Paul, not so much. No. Tell tell me where the third act in that movie is. I challenge you. Anyway, so go check that out there. Uh, wherever you find it's your podcast. It's in space. Yeah. If we, uh, there it just goes. Robert Picardo. That's it. We're done here. Thank you. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know why that's a sore spot for me that people are like, that movie's a lot of fun. I'm like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> 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 Says the guy who champions BMX bandits. No, I, I was making that joke. I've never seen BMX bandits, but oh. I champion rad. Cause that movie oh, is rad. goddamn Sorry, rad. He's the shitty bicycle movies. What do you, yeah, you, I, you, 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 you <laughs> sir. <laughs> I haven't seen Explorers in God since well, I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 not rad, which rad's amazing. So anyway, <laughs> shitty BMX movie. You just shut your mouth, Steve. Anyway. <laughs> 
It's the second greatest movie to have Send Me an Angel in it. Sorry, it's the first greatest movie to have the song Send Me an Angel in it. The second being The Wizard. Anyway, uh, you guys can find us on social media. Wherever you find uh, wherever you find your podcast rate reviews would be greatly appreciated. And Steve, where can people find you and your lies about Red? Uh, I just have a quick question for Nathaniel and Samuel real quick. Uh, uh, did you guys finally cover a new nightmare? Because that has been thrown around. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we, we keep, we keep that, circling that. Yeah, We keep, we keep pushing that. We have, we have Save it for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have cool. Done it yet. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, looking forward to coming on for that discussion. But uh, if you guys want to find me on the Internet, you can go to our Facebook or uh, Instagram under the Saturday Night Slasher. You can follow me on Twitter, but honestly, I, I very rarely use Twitter, but I still have a, a for some reason. But did it's you, the did uh, you pay Saturday Slasher. Eight dollars for the the check mark? Did you get verified? I, I did not. Oh. I did. I did, however, uh, post uh, some artwork there recently, and the same that, thing that happens anytime I post anything on Twitter happens. Uh, just tumble tweet, tumbleweeds. Like I, the reason I don't like Twitter guys is I just feel like it's yelling down an empty hallway. Like I, just, <laughs> you know, unless I, you know, come up with some sort of crazy political take, you know, I think that's the only way that I can get people to pay attention. So, um, have you thought about, have you thought about posting your artwork and then saying something really racist on there? Have you thought <laughs> about that? <laughs> I haven't thought about that approach yet, but maybe I'll try it. Um, <laughs> It works for the it works for the Ripperverse or whatever yeah. the hell just, that is. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and hashtag everything Comicsgate. Um, yeah, there you just, go. Just like make veiled statements about globalists and then post your artwork. Yeah, just uh, you know hashtag Comicsgate hashtag uh, uh, restore the Snyderverse and, uh, <laughs> and hashtag you can basically just draw noodle armed figures that uh, you know do nothing and. Yeah. Hashtag uh, Louis CK did nothing wrong. Just put stuff in there and see what happens. And, and your your art will you will sell art. It's just not the, to the people you want to sell art to. But oh. I'll I mean, no longer Rip, have a soul. The first guy fine. literally. The Ripper first guy literally made like two million dollars for his absolute garbage of a comic book. But it basically just because he was like, it's not woke. Um, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. That hurts. Yeah, that ridiculous. So much. Yeah, uh, Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess the last place you guys can find me is uh, we have a website, Slasher dot com, uh, and that's that's about it. So, Paul, what, do you want to wrap us up? Yeah. We can, what's your Truth Social handle? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you can find Steve's artwork at the Daily Stormer dot net. No. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's currently airing. Uh, uh, it's the pre-show slides of uh, Gina Carano's new movie. <laughs> uh, you can find all that at Patriot Feet sixty nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at, uh, uh, you can you can find Steve at uh, uh, American Eagle Cheeseburger AK forty seven. No, anyway, no I, I don't know. I'm sorry. This took a turn. I apologize for that. So yeah, that's going to do it uh, for us this week. Good. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Uh, next week. Um, we don't know what we're doing yet. Um, like we'll figure it out. We, I feel bad that we, we kept teasing body bags for two weeks and we kept pushing it back. Not because like, whatever we got to it. It was a lot of fun, but we'll figure out what we're doing. We'll post on social media on, on Facebook, not the other things I just mentioned. That'd be like, you know, check, you know, check us out on parlor. We'll be posting yeah. there, uh, and tagging, uh, Kanye and what we're covering next. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I try to say something clever on the way out. Again, I had nothing clever at the beginning. I have nothing clever at the end. So I'm going to put it on you, Steve. What's, what's the clever thing here? Luke Skywalker's ball sack. Yeah.